Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's too smart. He's too smart to talk to regular Fuck. people. Boom! Powerful big wave surfer. How are you, buddy? I'm great. We just got back from playing a little techno hunt. We did, man. I, uh, Greatest thing of all time, right? I, I was just saying, I, I don't care what the price is. It's worth it. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a bargain at twice the price or whatever it is. Yeah, for people who don't know what it is, it's this game that it simulates bow hunting. So what it is is, is a giant screen that's made out of Kevlar, and then uh, it's got a, like a projector, projects HD images of elk and deer. You can set it up for a bunch of different animals. But elk and deer walk across the screen, and you shoot at them, and it's like the perfect. There's a we show a little video of Shane doing it earlier. <laughs> it's, it's really cool, man. It's a perfect practice for bow hunting, because one of the things about bow hunting is it, you get nervous, and the more you could do something like this where you just shot a perfect shot, the more you could do that over and over and over again, the more it becomes ingrained in your 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 nervous system, ingrained in your muscles, ingrained in your memory, and then it becomes natural. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty dope. We're going to make this podcast about 15 minutes long and go back and shit some more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we we're actually talking about, cutting off the podcast short just for that. <laughs> so tell me about this movie, man. Yeah, so I'm in L.A. for the premiere, the HBO premiere of The Momentum Generation. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a sports documentary that, that, uh, that HBO and Robert Redford did. So it's cool, man. It's, it's, it's really cool. It's, um, it's a story about... My friends and I, we, you know, we all grew up uh, competitive surfers, and in high school, we all sort of met each other through through competitions, competing. So this tells the story of how we basically how we met, how we grew up, um, and how we became friends and family. Basically, like traveling around the world, you know, together as basically like little kids with no with no chaperones on on tour around the world. So wow. it's fucking crazy. It's, it's a it's a wild story. Pull this up to your like keep this like a fist away all from right. your face. <clears throat> how old were you when you first started surfing? I started surfing on a stand-up surfboard when I was five. And when did you start traveling to surf? When I was 12, I went to England for the, the World Amateur Championships. Wow. So, so I was on the Hawaii team. doing this traveling, surfing thing yeah. most of your life. Yeah. Wow. I have. It's crazy. That is nuts, man. I've been, I've been putting my surfboards in a board bag and, you know, walking out the door with my passport since I was 12. And... <laughs> going to so many different destinations around the world literally just for surfing wow Fucking nuts this is such a crazy way to grow up and that that's the cool thing about the film is all of us had that in common and it's it's crazy the way the story's set up too because there's so many things in it that i didn't really realize were happening at the time like like i came from it, i came from a broken family alcoholic father you know kind of radical um situation at home and then like a lot of us had like broken families a lot of us had that in common so we sort of have like this weird fucked up family dynamic in common. So we all became sort of like our own family on the road. So we, we were competing for a world title. We were all competing and going around the world all the time, staying together. So we became best friends, like this nucleus of surfers. And we all just became ultra close. And then when things get, got really serious with a surfing competition, and there was a lot on the line with sponsors and money and big brands coming in the shit hit the fan and then we started like breaking up it got too serious it was almost like a band who just couldn't stand each other anymore or things got too radical or you know girls got in the way or money got in the way and so there was like this kind of like breaking up element you know throughout our group wow 
I would imagine when you're living like that, those people must be so valuable for you, though. People that can understand your way of life because it's their way of life, too. Because, like, to, to a regular person who commutes every day and goes to an office and comes home, like, your life is alien. Yeah, it is. I still get, like, I still get uncomfortable when people ask me what I do for a living. <laughs> you know, like I'll, like, I'll be in, like, a normal, random setting and someone will be like, oh, yeah, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, no, don't, uh, do, do not ask me that because <laughs> nobody understands, you know, it's like, what do you tell them? I, I tell them the truth, but it's, I just tell, I always tell them like, it's, it's really hard to explain, but I serve for a living. And I mean, what they, the fuck is that? Yeah. Do they go, how does that work? How do you get paid? Yes. All the time. And I just go, I have no idea. Well, you don't I necessarily compete any longer, right? No, you just ri- not at all. ride big waves. I do. I ride big waves. That's my focus. And I also ride all kinds of waves. I surf every day. And, you know, the waves don't get big that often. Right. But when the waves are biggest, I'm on it. Yeah. For a person that, like, is just meeting you for the first time and doesn't understand surfing and is trying to wrap their head around making a living yeah. riding the waves of the ocean. <laughs> it's like, how? Why? What? <laughs> That's like, weird. wait a minute. No, I went to accounting <clears throat> school. <laughs> and I And I don't have, there's not like a... There's nothing, I mean, there's, there's not like another category I can really point to, 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 to make the point go quicker to, there's not like, um, you know, it's like there's basketball players and football players and all of them are like scoring goals and getting these brand endorsements from that, from competition right. element. So because I'm a free surfer who doesn't compete at all, it's just, it's hard to wrap your head around, but That's basically, even harder. Yeah, yeah. Basically I, I, you know, I, 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 uh, you know, I have a a large surfing profile. And so I, like I work with a lot of brands and that's just the kind of the way it works. And just sponsors. Yeah. Yeah. Now this movie, this documentary, do they have footage of you guys from when you were really young? Oh yeah. Yeah, they do. Is that weird watching that stuff? Yeah. Very weird. Cause we're all in our forties now. We all got kids yeah. and yeah. for most of us, except for Kelly, Kelly's still going. He's 40, yeah. 46 years old. I, I, I saw him on your show the other day. It was pretty classic, but so, so he's like a focal point in the film. He's, he's part of the momentum generation. And, um, and so he, he, there's incredible footage of him when he's, you know, nine years old or 10 years old and he's in Florida, like a little rat, like a little sunburned <laughs> rat. And, um, it's neat. You know I mean? I mean, we all had that in common. That's, we, we all grew up in, in different places and then we all fell in love with surfing, you know, separately. And then we all just became super tight so wow it was a great it's it's great and then now we're all like best friends again because there's no there's no points on the line or world title on the line or like brands getting in the way or girls getting in the way we're all we're all you know yeah we're finally growing up (laughs) (laughs) that i mean that had to be strange though to be so tight and then everything sort of get bottlenecked by the pressure yeah and you think surfing how much pressure could there be but you know we're all trying to make a living right it's like yeah you know, that was our dream to like surf as much as possible and see the world. And that's the only way you could do it for well, whenever, us. Whenever there's competition, there's got to be massive amounts of pressure. Whenever there's someone trying to achieve something or yeah. someone trying to rise to the top of a profession and you're surrounded by a bunch. But you also must have pushed each other, too. And it must have been beneficial to have people like you around as well. I, I think it's it's part of. It's just, you know, I think it's like part of our, our like human DNA 
to, you know, to be naturally competitive. I think especially men, I think we feel like we have something to prove, mm-hmm. you know, like where we stand, like compared to the other guys, whether it was like in the caveman days or, or like the, you know, the, the first hunters where it was like, they're for sure they were, they were, they were competitive to see who could bring the home meat for the, for the tribe. Yeah. And then it just, you know, kept going from there. And, and, and then now we, we, we compete with whatever we're into. And, you know, for us with surfing, we became hyper competitive and especially me, like from the time I was like maybe 16 or 17 until the time I was like my mid twenties, I was like super competitive where I want to rip people's heads off in my heat. <laughs> like I would like visualize horrible, horrible things happening to them while I was competing against them. <laughs> like what? And it's, it's so crazy how that's gone, hundred percent gone from my, my being now. I can't even imagine doing that. I'm like the most relaxed, non-competitive person. I, I have no competitiveness left in my body. Well, I've only known you for, what, four years or something yeah. like that? In those years, I could not imagine you having evil thoughts no. towards someone. No. You seem so chill. I was a shit talker. <laughs> Were you really? Oh, yeah. I I, I, I remember I was, I was surfing against this guy, Damian Hardman, and, and he was like an Australian world champion. He was like an older generation. We were from the young, like new school generation. We were coming up and there's these established guys who didn't want to, you know, like be dethroned. And there was this guy, Damian Hardman, who was a badass competitive surfer, but he was a very like tactician, conservative. You never fall. He seemed like a nerd to me. You know what I mean? I, I was like <laughs> this raw kid from Hawaii and this guy was like so presentable and professional and I just like mm. resented it. And I was in a heat with him. And he got priority, which means that he had first right of wave. And I just needed a tiny little score to win. And he basically sat on me, which means he used his priority to chase me around the lineup and sit on me and keep me from getting a wave and let the time run out. Oh. And the whole time I was like, you surf like a girl. You, you surf <laughs> like a little bitch. Like I was like totally shit talking him. And um, Did it work? Did he get you? He got me because he rode the time out. I, 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 I basically cracked and started like getting emotional, and he uh-huh. loved it. He went, I got this guy beat. He's starting to shit talk me. He loved that I, and he, and he, he actually came up to me later and goes, I love it that you're that passionate. I love it that you got that psyched and that emotional where you just started like trying to like insult me. He's like, That's my goal when I'm in heats with people is to get them to that point. You know, it must yeah. like, that's, that's good. There's got to be a lot of parallels to the fight world, right? Huge. Yeah. Well, it's also when when you can get someone emotional, then their th- fighting in particular is so dangerous. And so uh, when you lose, you're not just losing like someone's taking a piece of you, you know, because they're yeah. fucking you up. They're not. It's not just beating you on points. I mean, they are beating you on points sometimes, but they're punching you in the face to beat you on those points. You know, they're kicking you in the body. They're fucking your legs up. There's there's something about that that's so intensely emotional. Yeah. So when you're fighting, if you're fighting at your best, you have to be in like this sort of flow state, this sort of zen, not thinking about anything but what's happening and mm-hmm. reacting and just going on your training and your instincts. And if you can get a guy to be angry and emotional, it will severely impair for most fighters severely impair your ability to perform yeah. most fighters they, they lose they get tense they tighten up they look to wind yeah. up instead of just letting things flow we're talking about this guy Stylebender, who fought this weekend mm-hmm. that guy flows like when you watch him fight he just flows i mean he walks into the octagon dancing 
Yeah. I mean, like full on dancing. Right. Like popping and moving. How's that mindset? He's just, he just gets loose. And when he gets in there, he's switching stances. And he's, but but there was a a mad shit talking session between these two guys for the last six weeks. Right. But he stayed calm through the whole thing. And you could see when the two got into the octagon, Derek Brunson just couldn't wait to just grab a hold of him. And Stylebender just avoided all that shit and wound up KOing him in the first round. But, the emotional aspect of the shit talking and the the, the tension that it brings because it tightens guys up. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about bow hunting. Like you see a, a big elk. You have one shot at a big elk. One shot. Yeah. You draw back your bow and you're like, holy shit. And it's literally a life or death moment. So there's all this tension. Yeah. And if you could alleviate that tension, that pressure, you would, you would perform better. The right? mindset is everything. It's everything. It's everything. Yeah, it's it everything really with, I'm sure it's everything with golf. It's everything with pool. It's everything with any anytime there's something on the line. Well, what's fascinating is, like for you, like you've watched thousands of fights, like ringside, right? Yeah, sure. So, so like you, you must be like, okay, we're in the second round, and this guy is, you know, these two guys are like up and up. It's you know, it's like a it's like a super tight fight, and you guys, this is a good fight, and there must be inflection points where you instantly know that one guy's going to lose. Like something happens with their psyche or something happens with their, you can see it in their eyes, you can see it in their body language. All of a sudden they lose that, that edge, that mindset. And they're basically have already lost, even though it's like right in the middle of the round. Sometimes, and then you see one guy yeah. just like. But the, one of the crazy things about fighting is it's so unpredictable. Even when you think a guy's going to lose, sometimes they come back and win by knockout, like out of nowhere. It's I just watched a that crazy fight. sport. Who, who, Derek who's Lewis? The, yeah, the yeah. guy with the awesome Instagram. Yeah. yeah. The <laughs> big black dude. Yes. Dude, he was losing that fight. Yes. I, I'm not a fight yes. nerd. No, he was getting fucked up. But he was losing. I'm like, dude, the guy's losing the fight. There's zero chance to win. Next thing you know, he won. Yeah, was, That was so exciting. Volkov, the guy he beat had just beaten Fabricio Verdum, who's a former heavyweight champion, yeah. beat him by knockout. So uh, Alexander's the real deal. I mean, he's a, he was what I thought was the dark horse in yeah. the heavyweight division. But he stood in front of Derek for too long, and Derek hit him with a fucking bomb. He had hurt him earlier, too, because Derek, Derek hit him and knocked his mouthpiece out, and he didn't know his mouthpiece was gone. Yeah. So the referee was trying to give that him the mouthpiece. Yep. And he's like, no, that's not my mouthpiece. That's his mouthpiece. And the referee's like, motherfucker, you don't have a mouthpiece. I'm holding your mouthpiece. This that's is your the mouthpiece. mindset. He's in the zone, dude. Was, I don't think he was in the zone. I think he was in space. Well, I that's he, that mindset. Yeah. Of me. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd already been clipped, you know? But, but fighting... Like the nature of fighting is built for competition. It's perfectly yeah. suited to competition. Surfing's not. Right, right. Surfing, right. I think surfing is like the least suited for competition. I don't see surfing as a sport whatsoever. Because when you're on the wave, you have to be zen. You have to go with the flow of the wave. You're not really competing against another person per se, even though you are. You're really riding the wave. And you're being judged. Yeah. Which is weird. Because it's artistic. By humans, yeah. But like, I think the I think the single most important aspect of surfing that makes it not good for competition is you're dealing with mother nature right it's completely unfair right right you know? right like, like you might get an awesome wave the next guy might get a shitty one yeah some kid who on a scale of one to ten their ability level is like a three can beat the you know kelly slater in a heat easily because it is just like if that kid gets the best waves in the heat and kelly accidentally falls he loses, you know, like yeah. that's just the way it is. Where like if I was playing, um, you know, LeBron James, a thousand games in a row, I'm never going to win. Right. Never right. going to win. It's impossible. Um, but I mean, surf competition is cool, but I, I, surfing is just as a lifestyle, as like a way to like stay sane and have 
peace in your life and and meet friends. That's what serving is about. Serving's you, fucking awesome for that. Do you think you appreciate it more now that you're not competing? Yeah, I do, because I don't see it. As, it's my 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 the the surfing to me is tied to like only happiness and only like surfing with my son and his friends and and surfing with my daughter and going to the beach and and traveling to get epic waves it's not about like pressure and points and a world title and sponsors putting pressure on me and my me putting pressure on myself that basically like the 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 pressure part of surfing is gone which is amazing you know i still put pressure on myself to surf at a high level and perform at a high level to myself um and and you know be able to like you know have have an a game still for sure i love that i love the i love the performance aspect of of surfing but the the actual competition part is gone for me it's so cool though that you kept the love of it after the competition was gone because like one of the things that happens to some well it definitely happens to fighters they they retire and they get fat they don't want to work out anymore because right. the, the working out was so torturous yeah. and it, it felt so much like work that after it's over, whatever love they had for martial arts sort of goes out the window and they start putting on weight. They don't want to, they don't want to train anymore, but you, even after the competition was over, you kept the love. Yeah. I, I, I just, surfing is just a unique thing. I don't know how you can fall out of love with surfing, 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 I when I mean, the, from the moment I stood on a surfboard and rode my first wave, I knew that was that that was who I was in my DNA. Wow! Like pure and simple. This is this is why this is who I am. First wave. My and, yoga teachers become obsessed with DNA with DNA. My yoga teachers been, become obsessed with uh, surfing. And yeah. All of her Instagram now is just surfing. She just surfs every day now. That's so weird. Out of but, nowhere, and like thirty five years old, she found surfing. Surfing's a weird thing, but it takes takes. It's it's uh there's not very many things that are that are really similar to surfing in that way where you can fall in love with it being five years old or, or eighty years old. Yeah, well, I would think being a yoga teacher too. Like she's got incredible balance, right? Mm-hmm. Like having balance would probably yeah really help your ability to pick that up. You know what's cool about surfing is it's is it's uh you know like if I if I uh, let's see if I if I took a hundred people. And said, all you guys are going to learn how to drive a race car. And you had like a six-week course, just pure race car driving. A hundred of those people are going to become really good at driving cars and going super fast and racing. And they'll have this really accelerated learning curve and get pretty damn good at it. Snowboarding, yoga, like almost anything. But surfing, I, I, like, I know people who have been surfing for three decades and they suck. <laughs> I'm serious. What is they've, it? They've never gotten a tube, like in the tube. That's like mm-hmm. the that's like right. the holy grail of surfing, like riding inside the waves, like right yeah. in the center of it. Um, surfing's freaking hard, man. It's like it has. It's like um, I don't know. It's it's uh, but it doesn't mean you have to be good to enjoy it. Sur- surfing's awesome, no matter what level you're at, and that's the beauty of surfing. But surfing is hard to do, man. It's really hard to get good at. So that's why you get people surfing you know, five years and they're pretty good. And there's people who serve 50 years and they've never been good. But what is it? What is it? Is it a balance issue? Is it, um, ability to adjust your, your ability to correct while things are happening? Like, what is it? I think a lot of it is like body awareness and, mm. and, and just adapting to something that's changing all the time. Like say it's like, you know, 
say for for instance like basketball the you know the hoops there the basketball's in your hands it's ne- the the elements never change the, there's no variables really right. besides some dude trying to block it or or golf you got the club you got the ball you got the hole but with with surfing you got your board and you got you but that wave's never the same there's literally never one wave's not the same to any others in the world and so every single time you're adapting to things that are changing in the real in real time like up to the like millisecond the, the waves changing shape as you're riding it so you're so you're never like reacting to something that is going to stay put you're like anticipating the wave changing shape and that's what you're gonna like i'm gonna do a bottom turn into a a, a big turn or an aerial maneuver or whatever it is but you're not reacting to something that's happening now you're reacting to the future does that make sense yeah it does make sense now, if I was a guy who'd been surfing for thirty years and I sucked, <laughs> and I was friends with you, would you would still love it. Still, yeah, yeah, surfing's awesome. You can be the biggest kook in the world and have the most fun. That's why surfing's is so cool. Is that what someone who sucks is called a kook? No, um, a, a What's kook a is kook? a kook is someone who has who has no awareness in the water. Ah, uh, that's really what a kook is. A like kook. If, <laughs> like if like if I'm out there surfing and I'm sitting out there and I'm waiting for a wave, and you paddle out. And I've been waiting for a wave for a long time, or some 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 girl, sixteen year old girls out there surfing. And she's been waiting for you know fifteen twenty minutes, and you paddle out, and you paddle right past her. And the next wave that comes in, you just turn around and go. You're a kook. Okay, so that's that's if you're unaware of etiquette. the situation. Yeah, that's just being. Yeah, that's how people get in fights surfing, right? Oh yeah, which is common. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of surfers are really into jujitsu. Probably pretty dangerous. Yeah. To pick a fight with a surfer. Oh yeah. Is it a, is. What, what is that one guy's name? Joel uh, from Hawaii. Hey, he's from San Diego. What's Joel Tudor. Yes. Yeah. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He is. Yeah. And you would never know it. Yeah. He looks like so unassuming. Yeah. He looks like a guy who fixes computers. He is. And he's, and he's a stony baloney, super skinny, yeah. hippie, cruisy dude with like stony eyes. But he'll fuck you up. He will fuck you up. <laughs> But he's cool, man. He's he's awesome, and he's an incredible surfer. Yeah, incredible surfer. I've seen some of the In, footage of him surfing. Amazing style and stuff. But yeah, he's he's um he's very unassuming. There There's is. Joel. His jujitsu is super legit too. Yeah, I've talked to people that have trained with him. They oh say yeah, he's super legit. He'll tie you up real quick. And I would imagine that from that background, like surfing and that body awareness and the ability to adjust and change, that's one of the things about jujitsu. Is like every role is different. You you have you're rolling with different people, different size people, yeah. and your ability to adjust and change is always changing. I mean, it's always movement. Right. It's always that's weird. exactly right. You have to adapt to that weirdness of the movement. So jujitsu and surfing are you know they totally have their similarities because you're you're sort of anticipating the guy's next move, yeah, which is very similar to surfing and the wave. You know, now, you're reacting to what that guy's going to do in the future, not to what's happening right that that very second, right? A lot of times. Right. If I was a guy that had been surfing for 30 years and I sucked and I knew you, I'd be like, hey, Shane Dorian, what the fuck am I doing wrong? How do I fix this? Yeah, I don't know. Is there fixing it? Surfing's not like golf where you where you need to get better all the time. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like, it, like if... You can enjoy it even if you suck. Is that what you mean? Like if you're a golfer and you... And, and you're... I'm, I'm, I'm not a golfer, but if you're a golfer and your average game is like an 82... And I said, Joe, if you buy this putter for $1,000, your average score will be an 80. You're going to buy that, that putter because it's the freaking world to you to shave two strokes off your game. Right. That's the biggest thing in the world to improve. No one gives a shit if they're, they're slightly better at surfing. It's, they, 
All you care about is like the is like waking up at the crack of dawn, having your coffee, cruising down to the beach, seeing the waves and reading the tides and the wind and the and like going surfing with your buddies and having fun. And then you go get breakfast and you get some breakfast tacos and go to work. That's the lifestyle. It like keeps people sane. That's why they do it. They don't do it to get better or surf super good or go really fast. I and mean, that stuff's fun, but I mean I don't have any more fun than a guy who surfs half as good as me. We have the same right. amount of fun. But I bet he wishes he could surf as good as you. Yeah, for sure. So And I wish I surfed as good as the best surfer on earth, but it doesn't make it more fun, which is that's that's why I love surfing. That's, that's why it's so cool. That's fascinating. So what doesn't make it more if you want to get better at it? If it doesn't make it more fun, what does it make it more? It does something. If it doesn't make it more fun, does it make it more satisfying if you're better at it? Like when you surf at a high level, which is important to you now. It gives you more options because the waves get big. Right, which makes you more fun. So it's really difficult to surf really big waves with with really low ability. Right. So when the waves get big and really heavy and technical – you can't go out there unless you, you have really good ability level. Like in, in, unless you have a high ability level, you, you really can't perform in really great, great conditions. Right. So like when you see the, the crazy conditions where you guys get towed out and you ride those 80-foot waves, that kind sure. of shit, no one who's goofy is doing that. There's some goofy guys doing that because really? you're using machines to Look tow you into waves. Is that you? Oh, yeah, Jesus, Shane. Get out of there. <laughs> oh, fuck. That just gives me such anxiety watching this. How big is that wave? I don't know. Probably 60 feet on the face God at the start. God damn, son. Oh, what does yeah. that feel like right there when it's over? This part's cool. Watch I, I get air on the way down. Oh, my God. You'll see my board because completely in the air. Right there. <laughs> Dude. Dude, you are so high. That is so high. That yeah. wave is so giant. It's like 40 feet above your head right now. Oh, my God. This gives me anxiety. You know what's cool about surfing is in those moments, like, there's very few things in the world other than, like, I don't know. I don't know how to relate that. But, um, like, that moment right there for me was, like, the pinnacle of, like, who I am, what I do best that moment, that wave coming in at that, at that minute in my life where I was in the right square foot of the ocean when that wave came in, that was, the best, that was one of the best days in history at that surf spot. Wow. Um, and I was there. I was prepared. I was healthy. I had the right board, the right equipment, the right energy level. I wasn't sick. I didn't have any, you know, everything was just lined up and the waves were lined up and the swell was lined up and the wind was lined up and the tide was lined up and I was in the perfect spot when that wave came in. Do you watch that video all the time? No, but every time I do, I remember all those things because it seems so much, so, so much luck had to do with it. It's just like a yeah. alignment, the stars aligning. That almost seems like something <clears> I'd <throat> want to watch every day, like right, get, get the day going. You know your first kiss from a girl? Yeah. That's what that is. Wow. That, like, mind blown. Like, whoa. This is, <laughs> this is like a, an important moment in my life. I need to, like, have this moment in time frozen. That's what that is right there. And so I think as an adult, you very rarely have those moments left. I mean, it's like a really like mind right. expanding, yeah. mind exploding moments where you're like, holy shit, this yeah. is life. 100% life right now. And that's, that's what I think we're all chasing. You know what I mean? Those people sitting in traffic outside right now, driving the freeway, they're not having those moments. I not right that's, then. That's a real problem. Yeah. That's a real problem with life is that people aren't having enough of those moments. And when you're 75 yards away from that elk a yeah. few weeks ago and- 
you had an hour to, to really think about what you're doing and where you were in your life and how, you know, how you got to 75 yards away from this animal and the, the whole year of practicing on the target and all the millions of arrows you shot and all the preparation. And, the, and then this thing stands up and time's ticking and that moment's there for the taking and it's so easy to fuck up and it, it all happens the way that you, you hope to visualize it. Those moments don't happen very often, man. No, they don't. That that is what what a lot of people like yourself or myself are chasing. You're always chasing these these yep. above average moments, these high level moments, these moments where just everything's elevated. Yeah. Like when you're drawn back on a a big elk, there's not another thing in your mind. There's n- nothing on your mind other than your shot execution yeah. and getting it done and everything's heightened and all this just pressure around you. Some guys shake. Like I've seen some guys drawn back on an animal and their shit, their arms are shaking, like they're shaking. Yeah. Like that, you, you see it in everything. So much anticipation, they could barely keep it together. I mean, that's what target panic is, right? It's like there's all this this yeah. freak out juice. And there's different, lo- you know, there's there's a lo- lot levels. of different levels. Yeah. Well, I've, I've seen guys do that where they had a perfect shot opportunity, animals standing twenty yards away, broadside, exactly what you pray for, and they get in the shakes and they have to let down, let wow. down. Wow. They don't even take a bad shot. They'd let down and just like, I can't do it. Just too much anxiety. That's probably better than shooting. Oh, it's though. much better. Yeah. For that's sure. Smart. Yeah, it's better that's for a, the that's, a, that's an aware person. Yeah, yeah. It is. But I mean, I think human beings are meant to have a lot of those kind of experiences. Those experiences make life richer and more satisfying. Yeah. You know, I mean, it sounds like to people who love animals, like, oh, you piece of shit. You want to kill an animal and that makes life better? It's not that. Like, you're, you're, I'm eating meat no matter what. I feel better when I eat meat. I'm, I believe it's healthier. I've had these discussions with nutritionists yeah. and, and scientists, and I just think it's better for you. I yeah. really do. And to, for me to get it that way is way better because I'm getting my meat along with this insane hobby that's super difficult to do. I mean, I could go out and just shoot a bunch of pigs with a rifle, and I, I could get my meat that way, and it would still be fun. It would still be thrilling. It would still be ethical. Wouldn't be the same though. It's not the same experience. No. I mean, do you experience. do you do you hunt a hundred percent just for meat? You can get meat at the store. Like the experience of that of those moments out there with your friends and the, under the pressure and 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 mm-hmm. and just putting yourself in that position where you like you need to make it count. That's 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 part of our human existence. That's that's part of what makes life worth living. Is 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 having having to uh, I don't even know, but just. Where like, you know, um, I don't know, but yeah, I know what you mean. You can get meat at the store, but you you can't get wild elk at the store, and you can't get it that way. Yeah, there's a bit, just just such a giant difference between your relationship with the meat that you're eating. When I take an elk steak out of the freezer, and I defrost <clears throat> it, and I season it. Your food looks amazing, by the way. Like, really, really good. You're getting good. good at it. Yeah. yeah. You are getting good at it. Well, the week after you were in at Elk Camp in yeah. Utah, we were there with Chad Ward, uh-huh. uh, whiskey, whiskey Bent Barbecue on Instagram, who's a master chef. I mean, yeah. he's a fucking wizard. He's a pit master. He wins, like, those world championships and shit. Yeah. And he taught me how to cook it properly. That's awesome. And, you know, it's all about doing it slow and then yep. searing it afterwards. Right. And you just maintain all the juice. people screw that up? Everybody, yeah. Even one of the guides, one of the guides was talking to me about, you know, he's, he said wild game is kind of tough, and we were like, well, how are you cooking it? 
He's like, well, I just throw it on the grill. Like, okay, you can't yeah. do that. You can't just throw or they it, cook it on the grill. high heat too. Yeah, high heat. Yeah, yeah. like it's, they basically sear it and then serve it. You're yeah, like what? this is not yeah. sashimi, right? Well, you can if you do it real thin, slice it crazy thin. Yeah, you can cook like it carpaccio. like that. And it's not bad, yeah. but it's way better if you do it low and slow. Yeah, I've brought it down to two twenty five now. I like to cook it at two twenty five. Yeah, I just set it at two twenty five, and I'll I'll cook a an elk steak for fucking an hour. Yeah, you know whatever. You do it that takes. Traeger. Yeah, because yeah. you, if you set a Traeger at two twenty five, you use a setting called Super Smoke. Yeah, and so it just fills that the inside. Those things are so good for wild game. Oh, they really are. Fantastic. Yeah. It's all just the beautiful thing about them is the people don't know what we're talking about. A Traeger is a a pellet grill. And these pellet grills, like this table's made out of oak, right? When they cut this table, they would take the sawdust from this table and they compress it. And just using the natural sugars in the wood, they create these pellets. And then these pellet grills, they have these uh, worm drives that feed these pellets into a heating element. And the heating element, it just, it just gets hot, and then fire, and then a fan blows on the fire to keep the fire going, and it's all computer-controlled, so it calculates the exact same temperature, and it maintains Those that temperature. So it's so good, but it's just so pure. It's just wood and fire. No gas, yeah. no no chemicals like on charcoal briquettes or no, no bullshit. Food tastes so good off the things Fucking too. Fucking phenomenal. Every time I every time I have people over at my house and I cook wild game on my Traeger, I, I have these people like, "What the hell? I need to get one of these things." I, yeah. I must have sold like a million of them. Right <laughs> Once you They're learn good. how They're to really cook good. with them and yeah. learn how to do it correctly, they have those little ones. Especially now. wild game because wild game is really easy to screw up and right. it's really hard to screw it up on a Traeger. Right, it really because, is because of the fact that it doesn't have much fat in it. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't dry it out. Doesn't cook out those you know, the moisture and the, right, and the flavor. Right, right. Yeah. Do you take yours afterwards and set it in a cooler to let it rest? I don't do that. That's next level. Is That's it? next level. See? Yeah. I'm getting gems here. I'm, yeah. getting, Get I'm this, getting gold. This is from Dudley. Uh, what he does is he'll sear it, and then he'll cover it with aluminum foil uh-huh. and put it in a Traeger, or put it in a Yeti, rather. Put it in a cooler yeah. and close, seal that cooler up for like 10 minutes. And but what's in the cooler besides the meat? Nothing. There's no like it's a little like ice pack or anything no, like that no, to you cool don't it down. Want ice. You don't want ice. You just ice. let it sit. You let it, it's actually co- still cooking. Okay, so a I let it bit. sit. I let yeah. it sit, but I don't. I don't wrap it up in. But if you wrap foil. it in aluminum foil and then let it sit inside yeah. a cooler, the cooler actually allows it to continue gotcha. cooking just a little bit. Okay, so how many degrees do you take it out before it? One fifteen. I like to take it out at one fifteen, then I sear the outside of it, and then I seal it up with aluminum foil, and then I put it in the the Yeti, and I let it sit in that Yeti for ten minutes. So it's continuing to slowly cook, slowly cook. See, if you take something warm and you put it in a Yeti, it'll keep it warm. Yeah. And if you take something cold, it's just right. insulated, yeah. in- incredibly fantastically insulated. Oh, yeah. And so it works with heat or with cold. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to try it. <laughs> Talk to Dudley. <laughs> I will. He, he's the wizard at this stuff. He, he, you know, I mean, and he's constantly cooking wild game. He, essentially, that's all he he's does. He's a good cook. He's a very good cook. Yeah. Have he, you ever been to his he place? He should be. He freaking he does a lot of hunting. He better be doing a lot of cooking too. Yeah, he just drove all the way from Oklahoma to Kansas. He he shot a deer in Kansas. Drove from or not Kansas, Oklahoma. Shot a deer in Oklahoma. Drove all through the night in Oklahoma and parked his truck and got into a, a, a blind in Iowa. I mean, he just lives it. He's hardcore. He's as hardcore as you get. Yeah. But that's all he eats. I mean, he's, yeah. he's constantly eating deer and cooking deer. And and he loves cooking for other people, yeah. Lar- like large groups of friends and family. And he's always cooking and entertaining. I, I, I love that about him. Like when, when we were on Lanai, 
You cook for like yeah. 10 of us. Yeah, that was awesome. Incredible meals and everything was wild game. It was freaking awesome. That Lanai trip, man. Yeah. That is that. I look forward to that every year. Yeah. It's like a highlight of my year. Yeah. You know? When are we doing it this year? I know, right? We got to talk with we gotta dates. Out, yeah. We got to talk dates. We got to figure out the dates because that last year was so amazing to have everybody down there and, yeah. you know, and everybody's such just, a good crew. Oh, so fucking yeah. cool. You know, Green Tree and Cam yeah. and, yeah, it's it's just awesome. And then the first first year we invented the cat lady drink. Yeah. <laughs> that one ridiculous It's lived on podcast. too, hasn't it? Yeah, that was ridiculous. I don't know. I think Dudley might be still drinking it. I don't think anybody else is. <laughs> it kind of died off. Red Bull and wine and what was it, tequila? That was a little, a little bit ambitious. That was uh Fucking nasty. Yeah, that was, a Dudley, was. that was a Dudley concoction. Yeah, he was already hammered. He was just raiding my mini bar. Just taking whatever's in there and pouring it. Oh, he's like a mad scientist of the liquors, isn't he? <laughs> not afraid <laughs> that was a, such a fun podcast though we're yeah. all just enjoying it's something about lanai too where you can hunt in paradise yeah i mean and it's such a small island it's like you you there's not very many people there the whole yeah. island only has three thousand humans and a shitload of deer it's crazy around every bush it seems, seems like sometimes yeah that's it's, a great thing is it's so easy to screw up hunting those axis deer especially with a bow that it's so neat to go and like find your arrow and then you know, five minutes later, you got a whole nother group to stalk. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, it's also the most ethical form of hunting because yeah. they literally need to be hunted. Oh, they yeah. have to be. They don't have any predators. It's a, And it's it's not something that some person who was a greedy person said, oh, I'm going to put all these deer on this island and I'm going to go hunt them. Now, they were, they were brought there for a gift for King Kamehameha yeah. in the 1800s. And it doesn't take a wildlife biologist to tell you that the numbers will get out of hand if you don't hunt them. Yeah. Like when you're there, it's really obvious. That's a perfect example of of, of how somewhere needs to be managed. And yeah. And I know those guys on Maui have that project going on where they're hunting deer and then they're oh, yeah. giving the meat to poor people, and, yeah. which is the best meat in the world. I mean, it's such fun. Access deer is so delicious. And That's a great program. It's a fantastic it's really good program. Pro yeah. What is the name of that? It's got some that's, crazy name. That's uh that's Jake Muse and the yeah. and the Kahiki Nui project. Yeah, that's the Kahiki name. Kahiki Nui project. See, you're you're from Hawaii. You can spit those words out. Yeah, Ka my mouth is Kahiki like, Nui. Ugh. Yeah. It's funny. It's a uh, you there should have Jake on the show. He's he's a he's a really good dude and he's got some great stories and he's really well educated and knows his business really well. So he started a meat company. Yeah. So he does eradication. In Hawaii because it needs to be done and needs to be managed. So and they're on Maui. Yeah, right? and so he, you know, he wanted to, you know, to be able to actually utilize that meat because he, you know these big ranches and golf courses and stuff they they actually pay him to come in there and do it, and so he actually flipped it and figured out a way to start a meat company. So it's like a win-win situation because the deer need to be managed and you know he's feeding people and then and then the Kahiki Nui project's totally different. Like he doesn't have a meat company for that, but. He's able to harvest the animals in a really good way, and then he's able to utilize that meat by giving it to families who need it. Yeah. Simple as that. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's great. Again, it's meat that people would pay a shitload of money for. It would be like if, if, if you could buy commercially raised Axis deer, it would be one of the most prized meats because it's such an unusual flavor. It's extremely delicious. Oh, yeah. and people that don't like wild game, and they were like, oh, I'm not really into venison. I would like to cook axis deer for them. I'd be like, just let me cook this mm -hmm. for you and tell me what you think. Because I've cooked it for, like, I cooked it for my mother-in-law, and she, she, was, she, like, took one bite of it and raised her eyebrows, and yeah. she goes, what is this? And I'm like, it's axis deer. She's like, what kind of deer is that? And I had to show her a picture of it. She was like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. It's so delicious. 
It's cool to baffle somebody with wild game. Yeah, if, if you can if you can cook it right, especially access deer. Geez, it's incredible. And how beautiful they are they just in general? Just walking around, and then you get one. They're like, I don't know, they're just incredible animals. I think they're my favorite. Your favorite to hunt? Yeah. Well, what I like about them is we generally go on this axis deer hunt like a couple of months for elk season, so you get all the jitters out of the way because they are, they are like seven times faster than you think an animal that size can be. Yeah. Like when they move, you're like, how did you? How did it even do that? Like how does something move that fast? It's that matrix, big. dude. Straight matrix. Straight matrix. Yeah. And the axis I, arrows. I'm probably gonna piss some people off by saying this, but the axis deer in Hawaii are different. The axis so? deer in Hawaii are different. Benny O'Brien, when we were on Lanai and he was hunting axis deer, he had it was very challenging. Very, very challenging. They were ducking arrows and matrixing just he was having a hard time and he went back to he went back home, back to Texas, back to the drawing board, and said, "I got, I got, I got to go hunting." He went and hunted axis deer. First morning, shot a huge buck, and he called me and goes, "I shot a huge buck." And he goes, "But I got to tell you, they're fucking different in Texas, dude. <laughs> the deer just don't react the same way. I mean, in in Hawaii, Hawaiians, there's there's no season there. The Hawaiians are eating that meat." 365 days a year, they're they're hunting them with high-powered rifles all year long, Ma- Maui, Molokai, Lanai. And uh, those deer are, they just react like crazy. Yeah, they're living in hell. I yeah, mean, every they're day living in they're paradise. Getting, they're living in paradise, it's also hell. Every yeah, day they're getting shot at. There's there's a good reason they're paranoid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, And in, Ben said in Texas they were just like head down feeding, chilling. They had no <laughs> idea. Like, he's like, dude, it's like a different breed. That's, but he's also there the, during the rut too. They must right. get a little bit more relaxed sure. during the rut. And I'm sure they're switched on in Texas, but yeah. in, uh, in, in Hawaii they're hyper switched on. If anybody ever wanted to understand human biology, like male versus female biology, they should see deer and elk in the rut. Yep. To see animals in the rut that normally would be super spooky, afraid of everything, jumping at every snap twig, and they're just walking right up to people. Like, they don't know what's going on. They're in a, a horny fog. Oh, yeah. You They'll look right video? through you. Yeah, you ever see that video of the guy who taps the deer on the antlers with his, with his arrow? He's got an arrow, and there's a deer in front of him. He just taps it on I the antlers. That, yeah. And the deer's like, what? Yeah. What? Think that would ever happen if it wasn't right in the mating no. season? Yeah. Once, once they get those throbbing boners, they don't know what the fuck's going on. They're I, just wandering around. I saw an elk actually having sex this year. You ever seen that in real yeah. life up close, like not through your binoculars? Yeah, I saw it I once. saw one at like 30 yards. And it's elk, and they, they, they get up and mount, and then they go, bam, bam one big thrust. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's how they get down. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it's literally and like he was a power so, double. Yes, and he was so proud of himself. And then he got down, and he was just like, shit, yes. <laughs> got that. <laughs> and he moved on. There was like 20 other, um, 20 other cows right there that he had to, he had to service. <sighs> ridiculous just wandering around yeah i saw it from about 60 yards out it's um crazy right it's it's a fascinating experience just to be around them when they're behaving like that they're screaming and yelling at each other and and rutting and mating it's because it only happens once a year for those animals oh we're gonna see it right here he gets on top look at him boom (laughs) it's very it's very climactic I would wonder Very, how accurate it is. It's got to be accurate, man. They got to line it up. Yeah, I mean, I Did you guess. see him lining that up? I guess he's lining it up, but does he really know what he's doing? He only does it once every six months or once every eleven months. 
Must be frustrating, huh? Yeah. You can see why they all fight each other for it. They run for about a month, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. how cool is it how one bull, if he's a badass and a good fighter, he can have, like, the first bull that I actually arrowed with my bow, he had a harem of 45 cows. One bull. And there was, like, three satellite bulls, but there was one bull... And he had 45 cows with him that he was herding that were his girlfriends. <laughs> and they're all basically in heat. Yeah. So they're, they're like relying on him to service all of them, 45 cows. And I, from what I hear, there's places where it's like, there's like one bull for 80 cows. That's crazy. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's too much. It'd be exhausting. You really want like three. It's like, that's like Dan Bilzerian. <laughs> Is that his name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like a human bull. Yeah. Bull elk. Very, very similar. You know, yeah. Isn't that his fucking logo? Doesn't Did you have, have him bull? on your show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. He's always invited me to parties. I'm like, listen, man, I'm married. I can't go to your fucking that's, parties. That seems pointless. I can't. That seems pointless to go to a party <laughs> of, of his if you're married. I think his his logo is a bull. Not a bull elk, but a bull. I think it's like, a goat. For, is it a goat? It's a goat. Really? Yeah, I think so. Who, so oh, yeah, it is a goat. Who, it's like, who's your, it's uh, Mouflon, right? That's what it looks like. A mouflon's a sheep, but yeah, that's a goat, I think. Hmm. But uh, so this is super random. Who's the best podcast you ever had? <sighs> Every time I think I have the best podcast, we'll have another one that's better. I talked to someone know. that I respect recently, and they said that the Elon Musk one was the best podcast ever. It's pretty damn good in history. Yeah. That one was rad. Ever best podcast in history. That's yeah. a strong word. Best podcast ever been made. Well. He's such a unique mind. I mean, he just so they just he just posted a video of one of the boring tunnels first uh, completed tunnels, and so the Let's boring see that, company, Jamie. yeah, it's a, an insanely long <laughs> tunnel through L.A. and they they've been doing this only for a few months. Yeah, but apparently in December they're going to start doing this. Like, look how long this is. This is inside L.A. I mean, this is an this is actual, act completed, real tunnel that's underneath L.A. right now. Okay, can we talk about how there's no, like, like, a, like a prototype that we heard about? It's like all of a sudden it was just, like, how, how do you get a, who owns the land underneath? That's a real good question. I, I don't think he understood what I was asking when I asked him that. I'm like, how do you, how do, you do this? Like, who do you ask to do this? Like, all it's of a like, sudden well, he's... I call my project manager. I'm like, no, but there's got to be someone. Shit. You're under someone's <laughs> house. Yeah, like, what <laughs> if someone decides to make a, a well, and they want to dig under their house to make a well, and they go through the roof of your tunnel? Are they allowed to? I love that there's humans like him that are thinking on such a massive scale yeah. that are trying to fix the biggest problems that humans are facing. Well, guys tons like of you, dough. guys like you are out there riding waves, and I'm telling dick jokes, and this guy's <laughs> digging holes under the earth. Yeah. I mean, he's also sending cars into space, right? He sent his own car. He shot it into space. He's got SpaceX. He's talking about colonizing Mars. He's got a Tesla company that makes the best electric cars on the planet Earth. I mean, he's got so many different things going on simultaneously. I just don't understand his capacity for work. He's trying to, uh, he's trying to fix the energy, you know, the energy problem. To, yeah. With, you know, you know, getting energy from from the sun to to power your house, to power your car, to power the cities, and you know, like it's crazy. He makes solar panels now that are actually tiles for your roof for your I saw house that. a solar roof yeah. incredible like you you replace the tiles on your roof with these solar tiles solar's freaking cool dude i just got it on my house 
I, I got I got it on my house and I, and I have one of those Tesla Powerwall two batteries, and things insane. And it's got like this crazy smart algorithm that knows when like a hurricane's coming to Hawaii and it'll like power up my 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 battery to a hundred percent, even if I'm not home, even if I'm not watching the Weather Channel, it just does it automatically because it knows it might need to back up my house. Wow! So my all my elk doesn't go bad in my freezer. So are you on the grid? Or are you off the grid? I'm on the grid, but, but it, you have the solar but, power as well yeah, as, as a backup. Yeah. Yeah, so your, your power comes from the, the the solar, and you could sell some of it back to the grid. No, mine, they do that. No, they used to do that in Hawaii, but I think they stopped it. Oh, okay. And the power companies weren't down with solar, really. It's, it's hard like, to establish solar. Yeah, I mean, it is. it's hard to get permits and everything to have your house set up. Like they they try to make it kind of difficult for they you. They try to make it very difficult. Yeah, yeah, but I it's pretty cool though. I've I've offset my 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 power needs with solar by like eighty percent. Wow, it's great. So you could conceivably just exist purely on solar. Yeah. Now you're on the Big Island. Yep. Now while all this fucking crazy volcano shit is going down, how's that? Are you, are you freaking out about that at all? Not freaking. I was freaking out. Yeah. So, so I live on the west side in Kona. The volcano is on the east side. So is the east side? Is that near? It's just like, south of Hilo. Okay. And that's where the the. And that's where the volcano was, but the the wind, like the trade winds, blow east to west. Mm. So, so where I live, it looked like Shanghai for like three months. Whoa! The the air sucked like crazy. It was like L.A. smog times ten. That freaked me out. I they call that fog, right? Vog, vog yeah. like yeah, like like volcanic haze. Yeah, my daughter is severely allergic to that. Really. Yeah, we went to a store on the Big Island. We we uh, were staying at the Four Seasons, and we left and went down to a store to get something for a cell phone. She came with me, and she just started sneezing and sniffling, mm. and her eyes were puffing up. I'm like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Are you sick? She's like, I don't know what's going on. And the guy at the counter said, it's, oh, it's probably the Vogue. And yeah. I said, what the fuck is the Vogue? He's like, it's <laughs> volcanic smog. Yeah. And it just it didn't bother me at all. But yeah. With her, she's allergic to cats and a couple other things, yeah. like make her sniffle. It was bad for about three months where I live. It was Whoa. horrible. Yeah. That's what it, it looked like? That's insane. That it, does look like, that looks like Beijing. You know, and the crazy thing was, it, you know, like if the, if, the, if the wind goes the wrong way, then like Maui, Oahu, it's, it's all voggy, like all throughout Hawaii. But it was basically like the, that whole, uh, the, the volcano essentially had a crazy eruption for about three and a half months. Yeah, and then now they just stopped, and the air quality is incredible where I live now. Really? Yeah, just so it blew off. Blue skies, crystal clear, like just insane sunsets, sunrises. Uh, it's just beautiful. So, what did geologists say? Best air quality in ten years. Really? For sure. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know, because there the, there was like a constant eruption for like twenty five years on uh -huh. the Big Island, but it was just kind of small, but it was continuously going. Right. But now it's like like nearly shut down completely so there's hardly any kind of anything going in the air so the volcano blew its load did kind of like that elk yeah <laughs> bang it was it was it was lining us up for a while and just big old wow. bang so the vog's gone so now it's probably a good time to go there it's a very good time wow come over does, and visit does it fuck with the uh, that's, that's why i texted you just said come over and hunt I was like, oh, we're going dude, hunting i ain't getting hit in the head by a giant chunk of lava <laughs> oh my god dude did you hear about the freaking boat that had a big, like a lava, like a boulder? Lava boulder. Yeah. Go, go through the roof of it? Yeah. It was like a spectator boat. Like yeah, a, they like were- Like a tourist boat. Watching the volcano. Psycho, dude. They were yeah. so close. Yeah. 
Whoops. Do you have a photo of that, Jamie, that you can bring up? It's nuts. Yeah. These, these tour boat companies, it, they're, they're, it's pretty opportunistic, you know? It's, it's, oh, not, it's, not, that it's not easy to make a living on the Big Island. And so you get these yeah. people that all want to go see the, the eruption, that all the lava going into the water. Oh, if you can look for a photo of the boat near the eruption, there's, there's some images of like this, these boats that were like, they look like they're like 50 feet away from this mega eruption, like crazy. Really scary stuff, but you don't want to mess with lava, man. Yeah, especially when it's it's spitting things out into the air. Look at that. The Earth's pissed, dude. Oh, that's when it happened. Well, back that up a hair. I want to watch it fly through the air and hit them, and I want to think, what would I do? <laughs> Look at it flying through the air. The time to think about Ooh. what you would do is before you yeah. get on the boat. Yeah. Look Once you're on that boat, you're you're just locked in, dude. That's crazy. The hole in the fucking boat roof. You see the redness in the hole of the boat. Just the hot shit just tore right through the roof. Well, and all all, all of these tour boat guys are competing, right? They're they're like jockeying for a position to get the closest oh. unobstructed view, so everyone can take videos and. Post it on their Instagram. Wow. But you're... 23 people injured. Okay, let's talk about if one of those like little like lava nuggets just happened to fly to you. Just blow a hole right through you. Yeah, what if it hit someone in the head? How about the guy next to you is headless? Yeah. And you're sitting there with your fucking camera out trying to get a selfie for Instagram. <laughs> but the thing is that everybody trips out and like, oh my God, is this unprecedented? This lava, just, can you believe this lava? This volcano's happening? I'm like, fuck, dude, are you kidding me? We live on an active volcano. That's where we live. I've born and raised on this island. Yeah. It's been erupting almost every day since I was born. True, right? Yeah. Yeah, most of your life that yes. thing's been erupting. Yep. Yeah. You can go almost any time of the year, any year, and see lava. I it's found pretty out cool. about Kona I, because uh, Terrence McKenna used to live in Kona. He's who's that? that? You don't know who Terrence McKenna is? No. He's a very famous psychedelic, I guess you would call him a psychedelic speaker, a scholar. Mm. He's, uh, he was a botanist, who, um, an ethnobotanist who set up this place in Kona. And uh, he, was, uh, he was off the grid, completely off the grid. Like he had, is it uh, ayahuasca? Oh, yeah. Camp? Everything he 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 had his I don't know what what's going on with his old property but I think some of it burnt down there was a fire up there and I think he lost like a oh no 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 the fire was up in Northern California he had some of his books up in Northern California but he has a place up in the Big Island that there was like thirty different types of psychedelic plants growing on his you know he had like ten acres up Mm -hmm. there that's his spot up there. And he had, you know. Have you been in that house high as a kite or what? No, I'm friends with his brother. I would like to go there. He's dead now, unfortunately. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a pretty freaking cosmic joint right there. Well, that's a weird picture, right? That looks very See that, that Is that the regular, regular picture? Yeah. Is it, he had a dope place. So he would get all his water from the rain. He, would, uh, he had like these cisterns, I guess they would call them. What are these containers that catch rainwater? And he had uh, everything, you know, filtered that way. And Looks he, like horny hippies. Uh, uh, there's probably some freaky shit going on up there. Late night ac- activities up there. <laughs> but he was doing a lot of lectures on psychedelics. Yeah. and really That's one cool. Of, one of the most influential speakers ever on psychedelics because he was so interesting. Such an interesting guy to listen to. A lot of people like that really gravitate to the Big Island. 
Yeah. There's something about the Big Island where we live that is just, it's alive. It really is. The island is freaking alive. It really is it alive. It is. Yeah. And you feel that. And there's like this, there's like an energy there. And there's there's people who are like, I'm meant to live here. I moved across the earth to live here because it's like, just pulled me here. Oh boy. I meet people like that all the time. <laughs> Dude, your boy in that freaking shack, he's one of those guys. <laughs> he is one of those guys. I mean, he's from Colorado. He was originally from Colorado. Yeah. But, I mean, for him, he was like a, a bit of a recluse. And he would fly six for six months of the year. He would fly and give these lectures in, like, you know, Austin and San Francisco yeah. and all over the world, really. And then he would uh, fly back and live on the Big Island and write yeah. books. It's and, a cool place to live, man. Yeah. It's awesome. I love living there. And if you're a bow hunter, it's not a bad place either, right? Not, it's not a bad place either. Hawaii yeah. isn't incredible for hunting. Well, this is incredible for people. Everybody's got a really good attitude there. It's like it's more, you know, I just got back from Manhattan, which I love. I love yeah. going to New York City. And But every time I go there, I'm like, I don't think I could do this. I don't think yeah. I could live here. It's just it's <clears> too stacked on top of things. And there was this one thing that I'd seen there that I'd never seen before. They had like this rotating, rotating machine that you park cars on. So say if you parked your car in here, it would oh, lift yeah. up like this, yeah. and then your car would go like up here, and then underneath there would be like 30 cars underneath you. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is that? I seen that in Tokyo. Crazy, dude. Yeah, that's... And you can rent one of those spots, one of those one of those car spots, for like huge bucks in Tokyo. I'm sure. Like 50 grand a year. Well, Tokyo... For like a, for, for like a parking spot at your building where you live. Have you been to Tokyo? Yeah, a lot. It's so condensed. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a strange. It's another st- Tokyo is strange too because it's so polite. Yeah, I love it's, Tokyo. Yeah, it's like everyone's. It's almost like you're visiting an alien culture because I don't understand. I don't know what their writing is. Yeah, I, I see it, but I, I I recognize it as Japanese, but I have no idea what it says. Yeah, and then the people they're they're all like super polite and very orderly, and then everything's electronic and it's almost like Times yeah. Square like with big like this is almost like a like a parallel civilization like on another planet and how the hell they get there that's where they ended up like if you look at the history of japan yeah it's the opposite of that right right i mean it's true old school japan is the opposite of that like all of a sudden they have like this full-on like forward technology hyper futuristic um civilization there now yeah, that's a fascinating thing about Asia, period, right? Like yeah. Samsung and Korea, they make the some of the best electronics in the world. Yeah, and you drive and, just outside the city and there's like rice fields everywhere and people yeah. work, you know, working with those cool hats on and like everyone has no shoes and yeah. sh- on their own mud. Then you drive right to the city and it's just like this giant electronic city. Yeah, I wonder what it is. Kind of cool. Good food though in Japan and all over Asia, but I love Japan. Dig it. No, Japan's pretty. I, I'm just fascinated by the culture. Period. I mean, that's obviously the birthplace of a lot of martial arts. Judo came from there. Karate. A lot of whoa. Uh, a you lot have a towel? of yeah. We got right here. A lot of um. Got a little bit of it's probably not the exact here. thing you want to be yeah, spilling it into. Good though. It hit the crack. I was afraid that we were going to have nothing to talk about. That was going to be interesting, or we get stuck on like our tree for like two hours. So I, I looked up a couple of things. <laughs> what did you look up? I was looking. I just like was geeking out in the car. Was that impressive when I just pulled up in like a big old Cadillac, like a black Cadillac with a driver, or what? No, it's normal. That's what everybody does. <laughs> I thought that was really, really why, weird. Why would that be? Oh, it's weird to you because you yeah. live in Hawaii. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't do that very often. But what do you drive like a Tundra or some shit? I do. I drive a Toyota Tundra <laughs> from Big Island Toyota. Everybody in Hawaii has a Toyota because they don't break. It's a freaking state car. It's the move, right? They don't break. Yeah, they don't break. They don't. I've had three Lexuses, Lexus SUVs. Mm-hmm. Those fucking things never break. Yeah, they never have a single thing go yeah, wrong. Yeah, they're with amazing. Them. Nothing. Zero. Yeah. They're incredible vehicles. Yeah, they just well, and and you know, in in Hawaii, you're going off road so much that yeah, I I for surfing and hunting, I'm I'm always going off road and camping, taking my kids and stuff. So you want something reliable, and you can freaking buy you know, you can you can buy a Toyota truck for like thirty five grand, and like six years later, you sell it for thirty two. Yeah, the the like resale value is nuts, and it'll go for two hundred thousand miles. Yeah, they're with, great with zero problems. Yeah, I drive a big Tundra. That's the other thing that Japanese figured out how to do. Like, how'd they figure out how to make things so goddamn reliable? Yeah. You know? Is that you? There's my truck. Yeah, that's Dude, me. Dude, look at that. Lifted Toyota Hawaii. That's my last truck. Oh, that's I got the exact same truck now, though. It's a good truck. You that thing will get you anywhere touches? you want to go. Yeah. Well, I'm actually sponsored by the local dealership where I live. Oh, really? Yeah, Big Island Toyota. Shout out to Shout Big, out, Island, Big Island Toyota. Look at the fender flares and everything. That, Ooh, thing, is, that thing will drive straight up a mountain. Oh, I bet it will. And it'll hold about 10 deer in the back of it. Have you ever seen that company <laughs> called uh, DevRolo? They take those things, and they make them bulletproof, and they they uh, they spray the outside of them. With, what is that fucking coating that makes them bulletproof? I might need to get that for all the PETA people. <laughs> Do you get PETA people upset <laughs> No, I you? don't. Uh-uh. You don't get any? Because hunting and surfing... You would think that they're both of the earth it, and natural, but I would yeah. think you would get a little bit of it just because there's a lot of granola crunchy people that get upset. There's a lot of like dolphin riders yeah. in the surf world that are like, right. you know, we're from that where it's, it's it's peaceful from the earth. Why do you got to kill the Shane? Why do you got to kill the? Why do you have to kill the animals, man? Let them let them live. I always get these guys. Let them live. Always. Always, always, I don't always. Think they understand that if you don't kill them, they, there's going to be way more problems for them if you don't. Not it only do they not understand it, but they're never going to understand it. No, and I, it's, that's it. I, I used to consider like trying to explain that to people, but there's 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 really not. There's so no. what is there's a coating that they it's called it's like polyurea is the um, is the type of material, but uh, there's a there's an actual name for it. Uh. Adam Greentree's got a really, really badass Toyota. Yeah, well, yeah. he had his built. His he is had, cool. Like, the whole back area where the cabin is is all like stuff. His is not just looks though. He doesn't have like red wheels. Right. He's got like real shit, like refrigerators in there, and yeah. and, a, and a freaking shower to shower off all the mud. And we actually drove to his property, and it was so mudded out that that it was impossible to get up the road because it's pure mudslide. And he uses winch to winch us up his up his road. Like all the way up his road Jesus. with a winch. So cool. So it's just, I mean, the thing is like bad. It's actually good for something. You know, he's been in America now for like a month and a half yeah. just hunting. He's been almost getting killed in a tree stand the last couple of days. Shit? Hell yeah. So he's I was in texting a tree him stand. going, dude, get the hell out of that tree. Yeah. If you go to Adam Greentree's uh, Instagram page, Hopefully there's actually still a video of it where he's in a tree stand. He's waiting, like he's trying to hunt deer and he's waiting for a deer to walk by. And he hears guns go off, and then he hears the leaves crack because bullets are whizzing by his head and hitting the leaves next Literally. to him. Yeah. Literally. And there's video of it. And he's like, what the fuck, mate? Because <laughs> he's fucking wankers. Yeah. He said there's 200, 200 gunshots in six hours. Oh, yeah. Where is he? Kansas? Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, yeehaw. 
Yeah. Kentucky, not a lot of tundras in Have you ever been to the Midwest during opening day? If you drove a tundra in Kentucky, it would need to be bulletproof. Why? They would shoot at it? Yeah, they'd be like, freaking, you need to drive a a Chevrolet, man. They have a lot of Toyotas down there. Do they? Yeah, they give in. Not only that, Toyotas, <laughs> Toyota trucks are actually made in America, believe it they or are. not. They are. Yeah. How yeah, my Tundra is made in Texas. Yeah, there you go. There, there's a lot of Toyotas that are made in America. You know, uh, the Acura NSX, which is a Honda, that's mm-hmm. actually made in Ohio. Yeah. They, 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 construct, yeah. they designed it they and make, constructed uh, Toyotas it. in Kentucky. There you go. Holla at your boys. See? I just, so I they employ people. Nowhere. They do. Well, hundreds Detroit, of thousands of people. That used to be an issue in Detroit. If you were in Detroit and you were driving right. a non-American car, they'd shoot at it. But now, I mean, so many car companies moved out of Detroit. Yeah. Started selling cars. They just kind of gave up on that. Linex, is that the coding? Yes, yeah. Linex. Thank you. That shit, if you could take a Linex is crazy. That black coating, that plastic coating that they put on those trucks, you can take Linex and cover a watermelon with it and drop it off of a building. And <laughs> it'll bounce when That's it hits so the ground. Cool. Yeah. That's, so they take that 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 matte gray or matte black sort of uh, cover. That thing looks sick. That is uh, Linex, and so these Linex covered trucks, they make them and they also make them with Kevlar windows and door panels and bulletproof plates underneath them. They make like a if you're like just a total piece of shit and everybody wants to kill you, you get one of those things. <laughs> just drive around a Linex armored vehicle. Well, how much of an idiot do you look like driving that thing around? Badass. You just wear mirrored sunglasses to tell everybody to fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, like, I love the freaking Linex, the whole thing. That's like, um, Watch this. um on Lanai, Is that they a watermelon? Had the, Watch yeah, this. Look at this. Boing. Boom. That's a watermelon, bro. Yeah, like, I was thinking look, about look getting my truck done is. with that look, stuff. Look at this. Boing. Wow. Almost like a basketball. Yeah. So any scratches that you would ordinarily get from like branches and shit, like, I bet you're, I mean, the, the, the kind of travel that, look at this. It hits I the was ground. thinking it Doing that to my truck. Do you get scratched up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. And I just like that you can just like pressure wash it. You don't have to worry about decals coming off. You don't have to worry about anything. You just shoot the shit down and it's clean. Yeah. One of our guides in uh, Lanai had his truck was Linex. It was green. Completely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's great. That was Alec. It's good stuff. Yeah. Alec. Love him. Yeah. That stuff just doesn't scratch, too. You can go over. Somebody can key your car and it just fucks up their key. It doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, It's pretty impressive stuff. But, How funny uh, is it when you, when you when you see trucks like mine here in LA? That funny or what? Oh, there's a lot of them. It's the worst. People just want to look like thing, badasses. Yeah. They just want to look like a killer in a lifted truck. But you can't park in any like structure. You That's can't, true. You can't yeah. go underneath like any underground parking. You, you, can't, look, you can't. You can't. You look cool. That's look, what's important out here. Yeah, yeah. You look cool in like gridlock traffic at like 5 p.m. on the 405. Yeah, but you're above everybody. You get to yeah. look down on them. Look at yeah. these losers <laughs> blowing me in traffic. I'm I got all up my, here with I got good my air. lifted monster truck. <laughs> well, LA is all... It's a, is it a strange thing when you come from your place? I mean, what does a big island have? 100,000 people or something like that on the entire island? And it's yeah. the biggest island in all of Hawaii. Yeah. And, you know, you go from there to here where there's 100,000 people, you know, go to West Hills right here. It's probably a hundred thousand people for every like three blocks. Yeah, it is weird coming here. I spent a lot of my life in California, actually, even though I was born and raised on the Big Island. Like, man, every time I get off the plane, I just—it's it's so baffling. The freaking LAX airport and getting on the freaking shuttle for the rent a car, and then getting a rent a car, and getting on the four hundred five, and everyone's going ninety. Yeah, that's ah, crazy. There's always like an adjustment period of like a half an hour or so when I'm driving. I'm like in the slow lane, like, fuck, this is really happening. These people are going 80 <laughs> miles an hour. And then cops fly by going 80 miles an hour. Everyone's going 80 and no one's getting stopped. And I don't know, it's just a shock. Well, you're used to a place where people don't even pass people on the highway. 
Yeah. Like on those roads, if someone passes people on those little single lane roads, people get mad, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. People get mad. They like get mad if you're going too fast. Like, slow down. Yeah. Well, this ain't the mainland. That's, 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 yeah. Hawaii is Hawaii. Like, I think, I think we were talking about this on the, on the last, on the last time I was here, but Hawaii is just a, it's a different kind of place where, yeah, you don't, you don't pass people just because they're going a little bit, you know, slower on the, on the highway. And if you do, you better make sure they're not the wrong person. Right. Are they going to fuck you up? Yeah. You want to, you want to show respect to the people. And, and uh, I, I, you know, I think there's like a, there's like this dynamic in Hawaii where, you know, I mean, that. Everyone who moves there is that's fine. I don't think anyone gets mad at that, but you just don't want those people to move to Hawaii be- because they love Hawaii and then try to turn it into California. Right. Respect the, the culture, yeah. respect the way people act and behave. Yeah. And then respect the the vibe that everything is more relaxed. I mean, yeah. that's why it's so cool to visit. Yeah. Cuz you you literally feel relaxed when you get there cuz everything's relaxed. It's a different it's a different vibe. People forget that though. People move to Hawaii for that, and then they move to Hawaii and want to turn it into California. Does that happen? They want to buy a big house on the beach and put a big giant wall around it and keep everyone out of the private beach and oh, have like their that? own little zone. And this is this is my zone and my stuff and my giant house. And you definitely trying get... to own the beach is kind of hilarious. Yeah, it is. Owning like a chunk of beach, like you don't own that bitch. Like you decided to put a giant house try. next to the ocean. Well, they they have security guards in Malibu. Yeah, they try to keep people off of public beaches. Yeah, they say this is a private beach. Like no, no, it's connected to the ocean, motherfucker. Like your yard is the ocean. Yeah. Like my friend has it's kids. He has a, a beach house. My friend mm-hmm. has kids, and the kids surf. And the kids were surfing just you know a few hundred yards from their house. Yeah. And they were in front of this guy's house. The guy comes out of the house fucking screaming at them, saying, get the fuck out of here. You're not supposed to be here. Like, no, you can't tell people that. Just because you spent a lot of money on a house that's on the beach doesn't mean you own the beach. You don't. That's the beach. It's the whole earth's beach. Like, someone can come here from all around the world and walk on that beach. That's that's your yard. You fucked up. You bought this $15 million house that anybody could walk 30 feet from your house. Like that's just how it is, dude. Sorry. Isn't that weird that people don't get that? Well, they're just they so think rich. that they 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 finally got in the super ultra rich category that the like the rules don't apply anymore. Well, that, they're just trying. Okay, now that I'm to this rich, people. this beach is mine yeah. now. They're trying to scare people off of it, so they've hired a lot of security guards. See if you can find the how article miserable, about it. How miserable are those people? Oh. Imagine being that person who's like yelling at kids because they're in front on the beach. Yeah, that guy is living in his own personal hell. I don't care how rich he is. Yeah, so it's a, it's just it's just stupid. Like if you live on the beach, you have to kind of accept that your house is next to this public park. Yeah, you're you're essentially living in a public park. I mean, you have this dope view. You get to look at the ocean. But enjoy what's, that. What's yeah? But what's in front of your house is everybody's. Yeah, it just is everybody's. You don't. You can't own it. It's never not going to be. Yeah, and it moves. It goes. And that's one of the weird things that happened. Apparently they did something in Santa Barbara. They did something to the to the ocean. They did something like they put up some sort of a barrier, some sort of break in Santa Barbara, and it affected Broad Beach mm-hmm. in a crazy way. Like it pushed the water way closer. Because one of the good things about Broad Beach, these I think they call it Billionaire Beach, was that these people, these crazy fucking houses. They had this long stretch of sand mm-hmm. before the water, and then the water came way up, like to almost to where the houses are now. Yeah. So it's all gone. But now the people that utilize the beach are literally right in front of these people's houses. 
So they're fucking freaking out. So crazy. Have you seen, is there any articles about, yeah. So these people have hired security guards to kick people off, and then people are getting together in these lawsuits against these people that own these houses, saying you can't keep us off these beaches. I ne- and I never want to be those people. It's dark. Can we establish that? Yeah. that I just, I just I want to keep be those people either. I just want to keep going surfing and bowling. Yeah. And how the wealthy are laying claim to the Cal- to California's coast. Complaints have been streaming about security guards uh, hired by wealthy home- homeowners removing people from public beaches. You can't. I would, those security guards, they can't do anything. Like if they touched you, like it would be assault. Like you can't tell me I can't walk on the beach. You can't. You can't do anything. I was trying to read through this, and the the first case says that the security guard went and got a sheriff, and the sheriff told him that they're going to get a ticket if they didn't get off the beach. See, the sheriffs are all scared because all those people want the influence of all these wealthy people. Because the wealthy people influence the politicians. The sheriffs want to keep their jobs. I mean, the whole thing is just crazy. But the the thing is, now today, this stuff is getting out. And it's getting out on the internet, and it's getting out in right. these stories and articles that are on the internet. Homeowners have employed, se- employed several tactics to keep their beachfront properties private. Recent example of a case in Malibu involved a property owner charging people $40 to walk <laughs> on the beach and banning surfing unless the person was a resident or a friend of a resident. What? You can't, you can't just decide. That's crazy. That's like literally going up to a state park and saying, no one can go in here. It's too close to my house. Yeah, there's nothing right about that stuff, and I don't get. I don't. I just. Yeah. I. Uh, you that ha- that kind of right there. That mentality, that gives me the gnarliest anxiety. I just don't want to be anywhere near those people. I just want to get far, far away from them and like live in the mountains in Hawaii where I do. Look at this. She had been on the beach for just a few minutes when a tall, uniformed security guard approached. He said, Schwar- "He told Schwartz she was trespassing on private property and threatened her with a fifteen hundred dollar fine and a court citation if." She didn't leave. She's an employee, too, of the uh, yeah, commission. Right. She said, yeah, she's a, a commission employee was asked to do some reconnaissance following a stream of formal complaints. At that point, I pulled out the maps that I had and said, you know, this is a public area, Swartz recalled. But the guard disregarded her insistence. After telling her she needed to provide legal proof that she had a right to be there, the guard left and returned 20 minutes later with two sheriff's deputies who slif- swiftly advised Schwartz that the beach was not for public use. Then I got a bit unsettled, she remembers. As brave as I like to think I am, I kind of started shaking a little bit and started to get a little nervous. Well, Did you read it? That was, um, um, if you go back up, Jamie, it'll say uh, whose house that was. I think it was David Geffen's. Oh, I think that happened also near his house. Same Deliberately beach. restricted public access. You know, this that, yeah. that same thing happened with Mark Zuckerberg um, yeah, on Kauai. It's 2013, The Guardian reported how entertainment mogul David Geffen had deliberately, restri- deliberately restricted public access to the beach near his home in Carbon Beach. Yeah, that's another really exp- – you can't do that. Yeah, you Mark just, Zuckerberg just... did that um, on Kauai. Really? He, yeah, he bought up this beautiful property on the north coast of Kauai. It's incredible, beautiful place with incredible waves and not that many people live there. And he bought this insane, like, thousands of acres right there, one of the most beautiful places on earth, and then tried to keep everybody out and, like, completely block all the access and all the Hawaiians, all the local people got extremely angry with him. And if he, if he just would have been, I mean, he, he's going to be a resident, right? You would right. think this little Island on Kauai, these people have been living there forever. You can't just like storm in there, buy all the property up and block everyone out. How you many gotta, people live in Kauai? I don't know, but is it like Lanai sized or small? More, more, a lot more. more than, yeah. A lot more. Yeah. Yeah. It'd probably be 
40,000 or something like that, maybe 30,000. But, you know, the people on Kauai are really territorial and protective of where they live, and they live in a really beautiful place. And a lot of people who aren't from there have lots of money, want to live there. And so people people on Kauai are hypersensitive to that already. So you got like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, probably worth $80 billion or something, come in there and buy up all the land and try and block everyone. It's not a good move. Well, he's probably move. a terrible move, but he's probably super insulated to people, right? I mean, everywhere that guy goes, he brings security guards with him. Oh, you'd have to. And he's probably like, he probably has almost no interaction with regular people. You would think so. And he's young, man. So young. Is he like 34 or some shit? How old is he, Jamie? Mm, I think that's right. What's he worth? $80 billion? Can you imagine being in your 30s and worth $80 billion? How about still working? How about that? That's cool, though. I love that about really? these guys. Like, um, I wouldn't do it, but like Elon Musk and, yeah. and, and, and Zuckerberg, it's, it's cool that those guys believe so much that they can actually make a difference. That they're still, that's the only reason that's keeping them. It's not the money. He paid $100 million to purchase 700 acres of land. Wow. He's 34. 34. That's crazy. Straight up balling. Balling out. What? That's balling. There's a big difference between him and Elon Musk, though. He's got a weird reputation of fucking over the people that he made made Facebook with. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's correct or not. But that movie, man, I'd sue the fuck out of those people who made that movie if that's not true, right? In the movie, they kind of set it up like he stole the idea. Well, he he had to settle. He settled out of court. Paid a lot of millions to like the Winklevoss brothers, I think, to to because uh, they said it was their idea. Yeah, they made him look like a dick in that movie, though. Yeah, they sure did. Yeah, it's kind of heavy that that movie actually got made. You would think that they would have got paid off to not make it. Well, it's weird to make a movie about a person. It's it's if, even if they got accurate reports from other people, it's so weird to make a movie about a person who's still alive right now and put words in his mouth. A lot of it's speculation too. No matter what, for sure. Yeah. What? Like he got off light. It says that the uh, settlement was twenty million in cash and forty-five million in Facebook stock. Probably and, they're, and they're worth billions. Yeah, that's yeah, so he got off light. Yeah, if he did dick them over, but who knows if they're tr- they're telling the truth? Yeah, though. I don't who know whose version is true. There's always two sides to every story. But a movie about you, like if somebody made a movie about you, and you know had you on the beach saying some shit you never really said, you're like, hey, I didn't say those words. You can't have me say those words with an actor's inflection and his decisions to make whatever creative choices he makes with the way he talks. And ninety nine percent. Of the people watching that movie aren't having this conversation right. with people. They just automatically think that's Zuckerberg. That's what he's happened. He's a dick. He's a dick. He yeah. did that. He did those things. That, that's the perception. Yeah. It's like if you, uh, if like Jamie was like, "Hey, you know what? I just got fired by Joe. Fuck that guy. I'm you know make what? A movie about him. Joe's mm-hmm. Joe. Joe tried to touch me this one day when I was shooting the techno freaking target. <laughs> he tried to touch me. Everyone maybe believed Jamie, yeah. especially if he was like a really pretty girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jamie could be a pretty girl if he shaves. <laughs> Here it goes. Yeah, he tried to stop it being oh, made. Goddamn ad blocker. He did try to stop it being made? It's according to this, yeah. Shit. Mm. You would, though, wouldn't tried you? Tried to stop the movie The Social Network from being made. Oh, it's from yeah. those leaked Sony emails that came out and that hacking thing. Oh, uh, of mm-hmm. course he did. But I think he has a right to it, honestly. Yeah. Here's the thing. Pretty heavy that someone can make a movie about you without... Right. Your consent. And put words in your mouth. That's be, the thing. It'd be one thing if you were convicted in a court of law right. for that stuff. But if, if this is just like, yeah, I swear this happened. See, <laughs> here's the thing, though. It's one thing if there's a documentary. 
And in the documentary, they're showing footage where Zuckerberg's mm -hmm. doing certain things and right. saying certain things. It's a total different situation if you decide to put words in that guy's mouth and you have fucking Justin Timberlake play him <laughs> in a movie. Yeah. Who, who played him in the movie? Uh, I think it was Justin Timberlake. Jesse, was it Justin Timberlake? No, Jesse no, he's Eisenberg. in it. Jesse oh, Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. So, so you have a famous actor. The famous actor plays you in a movie and makes you out to be a, a cunt. That sucks. It's his choice. That he sucks. Can, and then the director's like, make it a little more cunty. Can you do a little more cunty? Like, okay, I'll go a little more of a dick. I'll, I'll be a little more removed here. I'll try a little more removedness next take. Yeah. It's like, you can't do that. Oh, man. Like, you should, he should be able to sue the fuck out of those people. Because at the end of the day, it's one thing to tell a story. Hey, I work with Zuckerberg. That guy was a dick. He stole my ideas. It's another thing to have someone play him in a movie. Yeah. And make up a bunch of words that he didn't really say. Or you don't know he really said. Or you don't have any proof that he really said. That's fucking Just strange, make man. Make shit up. That's like, yeah. I've always felt that way about historical movies. Like they make a movie about Abraham Lincoln. Like someone was saying, how the fuck did they do a movie, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Killer? You know, did you ever see that stupid no. movie? It was oh. really ridiculous. Abraham Sounds Lincoln ridiculous. was a vampire killer. Yeah. It was one of the dumbest movies ever. Like didn't make it, he's killing vampires, I think with an axe. I think he killed him with an axe. <laughs> It was really stupid, but I was saying, yeah, it's dumb, but is it any dumber than any other Abraham Lincoln movie? You have a bunch of movies about Abraham Lincoln where he's just hanging out with his kids and talking. You don't know what the fuck he said. You don't know what kind of interaction he actually had with his wife. You weren't there. You don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> How do you, yeah. How do you pitch that movie to a studio? You know what, guys? I got this high. concept. I got this concept. That's when you know you got way too much money is when you're making movies about Abraham Lincoln being a vampire killer. Yeah, pull up, pull up the trailer for Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer. I was trying to remember. I, if I remember correctly, though, this came at a time. This, the guy that wrote the book that this movie was made from wrote Pride and Pride, or Pride, and, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, where he rewrote Pride and, Pre, excuse me, Pride and Prejudice, wow. but added a zombie mm. like plot throughout it. So he just uh, he mashed up the story. It was successful, so he did it again with like an Amber, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Biography, but added vampires to it. Is there demand? And it went. Is there demand for that? Is there enough Couldn't people on earth words. that wants to watch shit movies? Seriously, is there? Oh, I don't know, man. I Dude, mean, my time is precious. I want to watch something really good, not really hey, bad. Yeah, well, I don't know, man. I There's nobody walking crazy. into that movie like, yeah, this is this is going to be sick. You might be operating on a higher frequency than most. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there that just want to be entertained by stupidity. Here, let me, give me give me full screen on this stupid piece of shit. <laughs> I watched this thing high as a kite, too. You watched this movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you, were, you, were you in that shack on the Big Island when you watched this? <laughs> was it playing on the oh, big screen? Oh, it's by Tim Burton. Yeah. Because look, look at this. This trailer actually looks pretty fucking cool. Was he watching him? Is that Liam Neeson? I don't remember who played him. But look, it's fucking up all these vampires. <laughs> look at this. Look at the axe, see? Wow. Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter. <laughs> look, he, he chops down that tree with one swing. Dude, he's so badass. Very high percentage of people watching that movie were 
high. Yeah. Well, see, I go think I see things that are not good for my job. See, I will. Oh yeah. I will go. I will watch movies and television shows. I will watch things hoping. Hoping it sucks bad enough that it becomes a part of my act. You didn't have to hope very hard, did you? That didn't make it in there. I watched that sat through the whole thing. I was like, it looks what like in the like fuck. Looks like jokes, jo- like a like a like a like a joke factory. Right. It does. <laughs> it looks like it should be a joke factory. It's not. Well, maybe someone better than me. It also came could've... out like two months before the the Lincoln movie with uh, Daniel Day Lewis, so they might have uh, like rushed it out to. Have that it guy's come amazing, out the by the way. Yeah. Daniel Day Lewis. Holy moly! But that was another movie that bothered me. I saw the Daniel Day Lewis Lincoln movie. It was kind of dull. Too but, slow. Yeah, but it bothered me that we don't really know what the fuck this guy said. It's one thing like there will be blood, which was fucking amazing. Yeah, but those are fake people. Man, he looked good as Lincoln. Crazy, crazy how good they made him out. Remember Gangs in New York when he was Bob phenomenal. the Butcher? But was it yeah. Bill? Bill, Bill the, the butcher. butcher. Yeah, he's phenomenal. He's great in everything. Yeah, he's so good, man. He's just Incredibly one of those guys good. that just becomes complete. There's one. There's a few people that. There's a lot of people that are actors that are just weirdos they're just these really strange people that desperately want attention they figured out a way to use their mental illness to to navigate the waters of hollywood in some strange way where they're virtue signaling and 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 behaving exactly the way hollywood wants them to behave to get themselves into these positions of fame and then they become movie stars Mm -hmm. and they say a bunch of nonsense and these you you hear them interviewed you're like you're not even a person like, this is not a person. It's not a person talking. There's no sincerity. There's no reality to it. You're just painfully aware of every word you're saying and yeah. how people are going to perceive it. And you, you, there's no, there's no, there's no, your, your guard's never down. They're just weirdos. Yeah. And then there's people like Daniel Day-Lewis, who's just this savage. Yeah. He just figures out how to become these people. You know, he yeah. stays That's in character. That's a real deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he fucking stays in character. That was great. Last of the Mohicans. He's so good. <laughs> He's fucking great and everything. He retired. You know what he does now? Huh. Makes shoes. Are you serious? Yeah. He's a cobbler. He makes shoes by hand. That's what he does. Wow. Yeah, yeah. he's a legend. I that, fuck- dude, are you kidding me? Yeah, man. He was so good. Build a butcher? Yeah. Yeah. I would fly to wherever the fuck he is to get a shoe made by him. You should do it. I should. I wonder if he makes shoes for people. He probably just makes shoes for his friends. What? <laughs> like, does he have a company? Like, I know he makes shoes, but, what, like, what does he do with these goddamn shoes? What's his lifestyle like? You know what I mean? After all that, like, you know what I was saying? Like, all those crazy moments, like, a human potential, like, you know, his human potential of his, like, acting craft, like, during, like, Last Mohicans and, and uh, Gangs in New York and stuff. Yeah. Like, going from that, like, extreme, those extreme highs and, yeah. you know, performance levels to making shoes, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Usually people go up, not not, you know, up in intensity, not down in intensity right right yeah the intensity aspect of it is really interesting but i think for him like he's he's such an artist that i don't think he cares whether or not people are looking at his art i think he cares about the process of creating yeah so i think to him, the same to him yeah i think the to process him, well maybe even it's more pure because of the fact that it doesn't have any adulation, there's yeah. no there's no spotlight on it right. there's no publicity team there's no stupid interviews he has to do yeah you know what I mean? I mean oh, that, yeah. That stuff must be maddening, you know, for him to sit down with someone from fucking E! Entertainment Television. So, man, you got another dope movie coming out. Yeah. Tell us about it. <laughs> Sounds like you need a Daniel Day-Lewis on the on the podcast here. Probably he'd be wouldn't even do freaking it. amazing, but maybe he would. How cool would that be to talk about shoes? He'd probably be 
psyching on that. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I would cool. talk to that guy for three hours just yeah. about shoes. <laughs> be awesome. If he was into it, just tell yeah. me about your stitching process. Yeah. <laughs> like, where, where do you choose your leather? I don't think, from what I just read, I don't think that he does it. It says that he took time off from making movies to study under this very well-known shoemaker for 10 months specifically and only did that. Wow. <laughs> then he came back, though. He made a movie like last year called The Phantom Thread, which where he was a design, uh, fashion designer. And then he learned to, uh, in order to do that, he reverse engineered a Balenciaga dress and to just to learn how to become a fashion what designer. What is a Balenciaga dress? Do you know what that is? We pulled up, it's Balenciaga's a, a company. Mm. It's like uh, they make that shirt we made. We put up oh, a few weeks ago, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. double shirt thing. So it's a high end, very high end stuff. Mm. Um, it's so he called took Phantom it apart, Thread. yeah, and then put it back together again, just so he could understand the process of doing it. Wow. That was like his. That's how he became it, or got into character for the for that movie. So I don't know if he's retired all the way. It doesn't seem like he makes. Uh, I believe he retired. I mean, well, he, I, he made that movie last year, though. Since mm, 2017, he yeah, did I for a while. He like six, seven. There's only years one off. way to find oh, out. So he dude. did retire for a while. Yeah, 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 he took some time off. Is what it's. Daniel, if you're out there, anytime, dude, just just holler at me. I don't know. I know you don't have a Get Twitter, at me, dog. But I know you don't have a Twitter, but I got people. You got people. <laughs> <laughs> he was amazing in the movie The Boxer too. In my opinion, so he, good. He played the most believable professional boxer in a film. Because in a lot of films, like even like the movie with uh, Marky Mark, where he played um, Mickey Ward, it was like Mar Mark Wahlberg knows how to punch. He knows how to throw punches. But there's a difference between throwing punches in a movie and a guy throwing punches in a fight. And if you look at the way Daniel Day-Lewis is performing in yeah. that boxing movie, he looks like a guy who's throwing punches in a fight. It's way more realistic wow. than any boxing movie I've ever seen. And he boxed for a full year before he did that movie. You mean he just lived in a boxing gym. He trained all the time, sparred, hit the pads. He got real coaching from he, – he played a guy who was an IRA guy who got out of jail and then got back into boxing. And then there's a bunch of terrorist shit involved yeah. in, in the film. It's a very good movie. But see if you can find footage of him from that movie. So when, when you see boxing movies, guys are throwing punches like they know right. they're not going to get hit back. Yeah. Like there's a certain thing about boxing. Like if you watch a guy actually fighting, there's a tension. Oh, yeah. There's a tension to worry about whole... getting hit back. And you see a movie about a boxer, guys like, yeah, man. There's, yeah. there's, there's too the, much. The mitts are down. They're just like yeah. their chin's out. It's not just that. It's like the way they're moving. There's no anticipation. There's no... There's, and it's all offense, right? Yeah. It's all offense. It's all, even when yeah. they're getting hit, it's bullshit. It's yeah. like there's, and you can tell it yeah, reeks. It drives me crazy. Yeah, it reeks. It's like, watch him in here. I mean, this guy, he, he studied and trained. I forget who was training him, but it was like legit professional boxers. It's see, crazy see the commitment that these guys yeah. do to take their acting to the next level. Because it's, it's like, there's not that many people who even notice that he fights more like a real fighter. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, there's not. But even like, see, look at the way he's throwing these punches. Like, this is the way a real boxer throws mm -hmm. punches. Like, they're not wide. Yeah. Everything's real tight. Pretty fucking impressive. But I mean, I would expect nothing else from this guy. Yeah. He's, he's as legit as it gets. He's a fucking madman. Yeah. He's legit. I bet he'd be a real weirdo to talk to. Yeah. You know? It's the only one way to find out. Yeah. You want me to get him on? When are we going hunting? I don't know. I think June. You want to do May or June? Let's try to plan something. Yeah. For sure. Lanai, that's the next one. You should come with us to uh, Dudley's place in Oklahoma in I would March. Love that. In March, we're going to go pig hunting. That'd be fun. It's infested. March. 
Did that you see like the fun. size of that gigantic pig that he shot down there? Yeah, I did. Monster. 450-pound pig. <laughs> wow. It's, just, it's like a tank. It's like as big as this table. Yeah. It's huge. Big pork chops. It's the three of us stacked together That's in crazy. pig form. <laughs> in pig form. <laughs> it's so fucking March? big. Yeah. Right. We're going to do it in March. That sounds yeah. like fun. Yeah. He has a, a giant place that he leases in Oklahoma. Mm. And it's all, it's all just... Just beautiful, wild, open country. Oklahoma's very underrated. You ever been to Oklahoma? I've never been to the Midwest. No? I'm going to Ohio tomorrow. Um, oh, you're going whitetail hunting? First time ever. Is that the Midwest? Yes. See, I've never even, I don't even know where the Midwest is. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> <I'm> so <excited>. <laughs> Hawaiian. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, no, Ohio's yeah, the I'm, shit. I'm a Midwest virgin, so I'm going back to Ohio. That's actually where my mom is from. So, oh, that's cool. What yeah. part of Hawaii? Or what part of uh, Ohio, rather? I think the southern part. I'm going. I'm going whitetail hunting. Right. Yeah, I got invited Where's Columbus? to go. Columbus. What part? Of- Columbus is right in the middle. So, this- like Portsmouth, Kentucky area, maybe mm. or Cincinnati. Is Columbus. Like I'm Columbus is my not, favorite spot. I'm mm. hoping it's not too cold. Columbus no, is the shit. Cool I'm a big fan of Cleveland too, but goddamn, Columbus is the shit. Columbus is awesome. I'm excited to see it, man. Just the far, whatever, far, whatever. I'm guessing it's farmlands, flat. Is that right? Not flat. The that's, south? That's the, like, that's the misinterpretation. Like, it's flatter than most areas for sure, but like, especially down from Columbus down to the south area mm. where the rivers go, there's, uh, like, there's Indian mounds and there's all sorts of uh, like glacier cutout spaces. Mm, yeah. The Hocking Hills is a very cool spot. There's also this uh, Old Man's Cave is a really cool spot too. It's like a traditional. I think Columbus is one of the most underrated cities in the country. Yeah, yeah. People don't think about it. It's, it's like the people are fucking crazy cool. It's a really good place to do stand up. Like one, for stand up comedy, it's one of the best places in the world. It's just fucking phenomenal. They're smart, but they're also like Midwest type people. Mm-hmm. But they, but they, they're not stuck up. Right. You know, it's like, it's like a almost like Chicago. It's like a lot like Chicago. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to see it. I'm just going to go straight to my tree stand. Yeah, tree stand hunting. <laughs> Have you ever done it before? I've done a little bit of tree stand hunting, but it's a mind fuck. I'm really bad at it. I'm 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 impatient. Yeah, I, I like imagine. to be I like to be stalking. I like to be on the move. I like to be finding deer. I like to be you know. I like that being. I like to hunt. Yeah, I want to be the hunter. And so for me, like sitting in a tree for four days straight, it'll be interesting to see if I have what it takes. It's but, weird too because you're oddly aware that if you fell, you're fucked. Like you yeah. have to wear wear a harness and yeah. all that jazz. Like I did it with Dudley the first time I ever tree. I've hunted deer before on the ground in a ground blind, but the first time I ever did it in a tree stand was at Dudley's place. That's where you got to go. Dudley yeah. Dudley has the craziest spot. I'm gonna hit up Dudley then. Dudley's got like 600 acres. It's all bow hunting. He lives in all Paradise. deer. He lives in. He literally lives in Whitetail Paradise. Wow. He lives in Iowa, right? In like one of the best places in the world for I'm going to send Dudley a text. Sign him a text? He'll yeah. have you down. Yeah. He'll I have you down. Come, you got to apply it for a, an Iowa tag, though. It's, it's going to be cold this week. Cold as fuck, son. Prepare for your Hawaiian. Yeah. Yeah. Does uh, Under you know, Armour have some good Whitetail clothes? They do, yeah. They sent, they sent me some really, really warm clothes for hunting. You yeah. might want to get one of those thermal fucking things. Have what you seen the called? heated sleeping bags? Oh, yeah, those are dope. Dude. You could wear one of those up there. I could. Yeah. 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 They have those um, things. What are they called? In, uh, inferno suits or something like that? What are those things called? See, the thing is, I, I like I like hunting in cold weather. I love it. Super cold weather, even. Right. If I can, in like stalking around, I can walk you around. You can move. You can move. Right. It's not that cold. Right. But if you, the whole point of sitting in a tree stand 
you have to try and sit completely 100% still and loop, move as little as possible. And you're freezing your dick off. You don't have to, it doesn't even have to be that cold for you to be freeze. Right. If you're yeah. tr- trying not to move. Yeah. You know, it can be in the 50s and you're freezing your balls off. Right, because you're not moving. So your body's yeah. not generating heat. But I've hunted when it's like, you know, 8 degrees or 10 degrees in eastern Colorado. And I was okay because I could move, you know. Well, not stalking. only that, you're taking layers off. Yeah. Because if you're going up hills. Right. Like, that is one of the things that's really interesting to me about uh, hunting in cold weather is the whole layering system. Yeah. Is that you have to really be aware of when you're sweating. So the whole key is to get yourself to the point where you're never sweating. Yeah. So as you're moving, because if you're sweating and then you have to cool off and then you have the to sweat try to kills heat you, yourself yeah. up and yeah. your, your clothes are, are wet from yeah. your sweat, you're fucked. Yeah. You know, that's one of the beautiful things about wool is that wool allows you to retain your body heat mm-hmm. even if it's wet. You know, it doesn't doesn't really fuck with you the same way that a lot of synthetics and, and particularly cotton. Cotton's the worst. Cotton's the worst. Yeah. Synthetics are good because it, it they they'll they'll dry quickly. Yeah. 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 Have you ever seen that rewarming drill that John Barklow from Sitka did where he jumps in a river Mm-mm. with wet clothes and shows how to heat your body back up? No, but I just did a hunt with uh um, I just did a hunt with John Hart from Sitka, the, the, who started the owner. Sitka. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. He was a lot of fun hunting with, and we talked about survival stuff a bit, like you know stuff like that. Like, what do you do if you fall in a river and it's cold? That guy to tent. me is like one of the. I mean, because he owns the company, he's one of the best representations of what you would want from a guy who owns a big company who's a ceo of a big company that's involved in hunting yeah super smart really articulate conservation minded very ethical Mm -hmm. just salt yeah super solid i was with him in utah yeah great guy yeah awesome company too i know you're i make good stuff yeah there's some there's there's you know i mean there's a lot of good stuff out there but I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I stay warm on this, on this hunt. I'm were you guys in BC? Hopefully. Where were you guys? We were in Hawaii. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. I was thinking you were on that moose hunt that they just got yeah. back from. Yeah, no, so, we were hunting in Hawaii. So you were in that crazy ranch that's uh, somewhere on the big island that people never hunt, right? Um, Some big area? Yeah, we, we, were, we were hunting on the big island. Um, we were hunting pigs. It, I, was, I was hunting in an area that was like... Um, I don't know how to explain it. We, yeah, we're we're hunting these big boars on the Big Island, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was great. But he's 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 a really good dude. Yeah. Do they have like numbers that they have to keep the pigs down to? Do they have like a point where the pigs reach? Because for people who don't know, it pigs really will have several litters yeah. a year, and if they're not, because there's no predators on Hawaii, so if the pigs aren't kept in check by people, they'll get completely out of hand. So yeah. do they have wildlife biologists who manage the numbers and try to decide like no. what to do? They just try and kill as many as they can. So they just have people hunt constantly. Yeah. And is it not a problem because so many people hunt there? I mean, it, it just sort of depends who you ask. It's 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 crazy because like with the pigs, the the the, the, the pigs can thrive in really thick areas. So it's very difficult to do like a to figure out how many pigs there are. Like if you try and count the number of deer on Maui, people count them. My friend Jake does it. He'll fly and they'll grid and they'll get a pretty darn accurate reading of how many deer are on the island. But trying to figure out how many pigs are on the big island, it's impossible. They live in the jungle. Right, you because they're it. all in underbrush and yeah. they, they bed. And they can, and, yeah, yeah, but the deer, they come out in the open, you know, and you chase them with a, with a helicopter and you can see them. They're all running. But the pigs don't do that. They just go right in the thick. Mm. So basically there's just infinite numbers 
of pigs on the Big Island. So do they? But we also have um, sheep. We have we have mouflon sheep. We have like a like a hybrid sheep. We have um, we got goats, and and those you can you, you can get numbers of, and you can knock them down really quick if you're trying to eradicate them. But yeah. with pigs, it's really difficult. How do the mouflon sheep taste? Mouflon sheep are amazing. Yeah, that's what I've heard. They're I heard great. They taste really They're good. fantastic. They're great to hunt. Did you did you see that controversy that happened pretty recently where a woman shot a uh, she shot a wild sheep? I did a wild in Europe. Goat yeah, in Europe. In Europe. And and people were upset at her mm-hmm. and <clears throat> all these. Ricky Gervais, of course, he has to jump in. That's his favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn Greenwald. All these people jumped in. What what they don't understand is these wild goats are an invasive species. They have no natural predators, and they they hunt them. To, to preserve the wildlife that's indicative that's that's native to the area, yeah. Whether it's the plant life, animal life. I mean, these these goats, if their populations are left unchecked, like they hunt them for a very specific reason. Like, really, if you talk to some wildlife biologists, they should be eradicated yeah. because there a lot of them were left on islands. People don't realize this by whalers. They they left them on these huh. islands because this was an island mm-hmm. off of uh, I believe it was off of Ireland or Scotland. See if you can find that story. Scotland. A lot of them were left there by by travelers so that they would have food there when they came back. So they would drop these things off on these certain islands. And in fact, there was a real area, uh, a real problem where they dropped them off. So this was the woman, and people got all over this lady for shooting this wild goat, which is really kind of crazy because they eat them. They're delicious. They eat them as food. They're invasive. I mean, there's so many things going in, in tor- pointing towards the direction that this was actually a smart conservation thing right. to do. But I guess maybe it was because of the way she talked about it, you know, because she said it was a really fun hunt or something like that. Well, like, I get it. It's yeah. like a it's like a beautiful creature. Yeah, it is. And it would have still been alive if she wasn't there. So that perspective of people of just like, you know, why do you got to kill it? It's yeah. it's a it's a it's a it's it's a wild animal living on an island. Why why can't you just let them live? It's a natural perspective. That's, it's as yeah. simple as that. It's yeah. normal human nature to to think that. But, you know, all the people who think that, if you dig a little deeper, there's a lot more information there with those you just can't let those goats get out of hand. They're hardy as hell. They don't die. But that's the problem with someone like, super like fast. Greg, uh, uh, um, Ricky Gervais or Glenn Greenwald, someone like that that has a giant platform that loves animals, and I appreciate that, and that instantly posts something like this, very inflammatory, without looking into it deeper. Yeah. They use their platform, and they, yeah. they think to expose something they think is horrific, but they don't understand what's going on behind the scenes of this. There's a thing called Judas Goats. And what they do is they'll take a goat and they'll neuter that goat and put a GPS tag on it and send it out because goats always flock together. Yeah. And this goat will go near the other goats and then they fly over with helicopters and gun these goats down. Oh, yeah. And this is just to keep goat populations in check. So they kill every goat but the Judas goat. And then the Judas goat will find other goats. And then they fly over again and gun all the goats down. And this is done by wildlife biologists. They this do that is, right by my yes, house. Yeah. They do this just because those goats eat everything. I have they a friend do. who lives in Topanga, and they bought goats to clean their property. Mm. They thought, oh, this would be a good idea. We'll bring these goats in, and they'll eat all the weeds. and they'll cl-. No, they eat everything. Everything. Every everything. Last thing. They keep going. And so they'll decimate local wildlife, like whatever their, their habitat is. They'll devastate all these local plants. 
All, I mean, things that are supposed to be there that have been there forever, when these invasive species get there, they have a really hard time maintaining. And then it, you know, it, it gets to a point where they have to do something about it. Well, this, this woman paid to do that, so that money goes towards conservation. She gets to eat the meat. You know, she has this enjoyable experience hunting these things in the mountains. But people don't want to look at that. They just want to look at it. It shouldn't die. And it's really particularly crazy when it's a guy like Ricky Gervais who eats meat. Yeah. It's like the whole thing is just, it's so strange. It's just so strange that people refuse to look deeper into these things and they immediately have these knee jerk reactions where they want to complain about it and do so publicly in a way that gets all these people to attack this woman. Well, the photo of that dead animal, that's what, that's yes. what initiates that, that response, right. that like emotional response that a, a smile, human gets. Yeah, smiling like, the with that's a dead the worst animal. thing ever. Right. And then they'll go to the fridge. And and grab some like steak and cook it and think nothing of it, yeah. nothing at all of that meat. They they don't they don't see the parallel there. They just think that it's completely different and weird that someone wants to go hunt them. Yeah, you know? it's it's fucked up in this weird accepted hypocritical way. I mean, it's it's oddly accepted. But we all have freezers full of the best meat there is and eat it every night. And it's amazing. I'm never going to stop. We do. Yeah, yeah we people do. that hunt. Yeah. We do. Yeah. yeah, that we actually have that connection with that meat. We killed it. We skinned it. We got the meat. We deboned it. We packed it out. We packaged it and put it in our freezers ourselves. But this is the first Pretty I've seen. Pretty freaking awesome. I've, it's the first I've seen someone get attacked at something that's a meat animal. Because uh, I've seen people, maybe they don't know it's a meat animal, but I've seen people get attacked for, obviously, for anything like the, it's, it's a predator. Lions and. Yeah, the, the predator yeah. one is the biggest one. Like if you kill something that's a predator, people, for whatever weird reason, freak out more than anything. Well, and if there's and if there's like a. Like a like a like a general idea that they're endangered, right? You know what I mean. Like everybody thinks that lions are endangered, yeah, or elephants are endangered, or even bears, or People bears think are, the endangered. Bears are endangered. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions out there for sure. But I don't really eat lions or elephants or anything like that. I eat deer, and there's millions of deer, millions. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where we hunt in Lanai has. 3,000 people, more, they estimate somewhere over 20,000 deer, and they don't even know. I mean, it's just bananas. I'm, I'm on a text thread with, with um, Benny O'Brien and Remy and, and, all, and all you guys, and, and there was a stat that they were saying yesterday. I don't know if you're on that yeah. text, and they were saying that, like, in one of the Midwest states, I don't know which one it was. Do you remember? In, in, in one of the Midwest states, like, 850,000 deer died during gun season, and half of them, like 400,000 deer died in the first two days. Because we were talking about uh, Adam being in the tree. That's crazy. And that in one state alone, 850,000 deer died during gun season. So you think of how many deer that is. Imagine if no one hunted for like three years. What was that stat? How many deer there would be? The number of car accidents nationwide with deer. I think it's a million and a half. I mean, but the people who get angry at the photos don't think of what it would be like if you just stopped hunting. Yeah. No, they Imagine think, how many goats there would be. Imagine how many pigs how many there would deer. be. How many yeah. deer they there would be. Nature would sort itself out. It wouldn't. Well, it would eventually, but you'd have to bring in wolves if you're comfortable with wolves eating your kids. Yeah. I mean, that's what and it tigers used to and... All that big, bad wolf shit from when we were little kids, mm -hmm. like little pig, little pig, let me in, that's because wolves were everywhere and they were bad. It was dangerous. Yeah. Like you would go through for a walk through people. the woods. They'd eat yeah. your kids. Yeah. That's, that's, that really did happen. Yeah. We just... We got so far away from that, we forgot of it as a possibility. Yeah. So now we think of them as dogs that are living their natural. That dog's just living his best life out <laughs> in the woods. 
Howl. Ooh, I yeah. love it when they howl. They're tr- they're trying to figure out how to eat you. They want to get through your house. That's yeah. what they're trying to figure out how to eat your kids. And if you reintroduce them into Yellowstone, they're never going to leave Yellowstone. No. They're going to stay there. They're going to stay right in this little yeah, tiny pocket home. of where they like to live. <laughs> they're never going to reproduce into like thousands. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, that's what those people think. But really, they're going to just start roaming and, yeah. and recreating thousands and thousands and thousands of wolves that are all going to go into like neighborhoods eventually. Yeah. Well, that's what's happening. I mean, that's yeah. what's happening in Montana. That's what's happening yeah. in Idaho. Oh, yeah. I mean, these are all reintroduced wolves that are, yeah. I mean, and they also go on these surplus kills where they'll kill like 15 elk and just leave them there. Mm-hmm. They, just, they just go nutty. Yeah. That's what they do. My friend lives in Montana and he was telling me that the wolf population is so out of hand that the, that the elk population has been decimated. It was, it's down by like 80% or some, some crazy stat. Crazy. I mean, they like a lot imagine. of, yeah, they weren't there. In 1994. I mean, that's when yeah. they reintroduced them, right? In the 90s? See, I mean, there, there's, I mean, now that the, I mean, now that human population is, is so established in a lot of these areas and you can't just reintroduce wolves with no plan to keep, keep a lid on it. Well, there is a plan, but the problem with the plan is the established numbers that they needed to achieve in, before they started managing the population, then the, there was immediate lawsuits by animal rights activists who don't want them to ever hunt wolves. Right. So in Montana, they've opened up seasons. They've opened up seasons in Idaho. They've opened up seasons for wolves, and they would like to do the same for grizzly bears in a lot of these areas. And there's a lot of pushback on that, too, but it's the same sort of thing. The established numbers that they needed to achieve in order to make it a sustainable population, they've been reached. And then the wildlife biologists, right. the ones who are objective about it, are saying, hey, we need to keep these populations in check in order to keep the deer populations healthy and the moose populations healthy because these bears and these wolves – they're just destroying these calves, and they just run around, and, then, and the populations of these animals go way down. Now, there's also an argument, and a really good one, that you need predators. And this good argument is you don't ever want lanai to be recreated in Montana, right? right? Where yeah. there's just these deer and For just sure. these elk. Yeah. You want a certain natural balance. And so there's an argument that there should be a certain amount of wolves, and I agree with that argument. I agree, too, but the balance can be really difficult to maintain. Yeah. That's, that's my point. Is like, If there's too many elk and you want to control that number, say there's 100,000 elk, but there should only be 50,000 elk, that's, that's the perfect number. Right. It's actually pretty easy to go from 100,000 to 50,000 to draw that elk herd back. It's pretty easy through, through management and through hunting. Same with deer. You can pull that number back pretty quick. Wolves are freaking hard to kill, dude. Yeah. If you had to kill a wolf and you had a gun, it's freaking hard. Real hard. If you had to kill a a deer and you had a gun, not that hard. Right. You can find deer. Finding a wolf is freaking hard, dude. So once those, my my point is, is once those wolf numbers get out of hand, trying to manage that population, the wolf population is very, very difficult. Well, places that are used to dealing with them, they know what the fuck to do, like Alaska. Yeah, to trap Alaska, them and everything. They huh? trap them. They fly around in planes and shoot them out of the out of the air with helicopters. Yeah. I mean, they eradicate them. Is, in, that, is that Sarah Palin? <laughs> just, I don't think she's doing that anymore. But there's a lot of people up there that do do that. And you can buy wolf skin rugs. That they, they, they sell those skins yeah. and turn them into rugs and do yeah. all sorts of different things with the pelts. Got to do something. Yeah, they do something with it. Yeah. So it's, but they do that because they have a vested interest in keeping the population of their game animals alive yeah. for, for a couple reasons. And there's criticism about that, too, that they maybe kill too many wolves Yeah, because they don't. They want you to be able to go there, and a lot of their tourism dollars comes from people that fly in to hunt moose or fly in to hunt deer. 
and they want to make sure they keep certain populations of them there. So it's, it's all, it, there's a real problem when you get emotions and you have those emotions tied into this idea of wildlife biology and what, yeah. a, what an animal is and keeping healthy numbers of these animals in a certain area. That's, that's a real, becomes a real issue, you know, and that's why when this goat thing happens and everybody freaks out over it, it's like, you should probably educate yourself as yeah. to what you're talking about before you start complaining because you're just throwing gasoline on this fire and you don't necessarily understand all the circumstances involved. Those goats are gnarly too because, you know, because they live where I live and they, on, on, they love shorelines and they love like ridges and berms and stuff like that and they're, they're, they're. They create so much erosion because they love those like edges on on cliffs and stuff, and so they they ruin all the berms. They ruin they they ruin all the cliffs, and then there's all this runoff. There's all this erosion, and they I mean they completely decimate all the grass, all the weeds, all the way down. They don't they don't just trim things. They're not they're not selective eaters. They'll just chow down all the way to the to the roots and then eat the roots also. So there's nothing holding that dirt in place. Right. So when it rains, just everything spills downhill because of the goats. They really I see I see it. And with deer, you can see some some impact that they have for sure. If you let those numbers get out of hand, they have the same effect. But goats, goats are radical. They the populations explode, and and if if someone's not managing them, you can see the impact that they have on the land. And that'll have an impact on all the native species too. Oh, yeah. All the ground nesting birds, yep. all the animals that use that those the grass and those yeah. bushes and all live. those different things for cover and for life. Yeah, it's uh, and what they the things that they feed off of all that stuff gets eaten by the goats, you know. Yeah, if there's I, a large population of goats somewhere, you'll know it. Yeah, there'll be like almost nothing left. It and really I, is. I appreciate these people like Glenn Greenwald. I appreciate the sentiment behind it. I really yeah. do. I just wish they would look into it a little bit deeper. And you know, this woman, she's not a bad person. She's just that's how she gets her meat. You know. Yep. Like I said, especially a guy like Ricky, who I've met. I've t I've actually talked to about hunting with him on a radio show before I did yeah. on the Opie and Anthony show. I had to explain to him that I'm a hunter and that I, I hunt animals and I eat them because he was talking about hunters and I, and, and he was actually very friendly with me and we were cool about it. Mm -hmm. We had a good, he's like, as long as you eat it, you like, that's what you're doing it for. I'm like, that's exactly what I do it for. But he eats meat too, which is so the whole, it's weird. It's the, 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 the fact that people think like that they are morally disconnected from the act of killing an animal just because they use a credit card to buy meat is so hilarious. Like you hired a supermarket hitman. That's what you did. Supermarket hitman took a prisoner, a prisoner, you know, cow and fucking put a bolt through its head and you it's feel crazy. you feel completely detached from it. Yep. No karma. Well, and when someone eats a hamburger, they think nothing of eating a quarter of it or half of it. I'm really full. You can just take that away from me. Yeah. You never do that with your elk, do you? No. <laughs> no, I eat it all. Yeah. I eat it all. Yeah, I, m I make sure that if I cook it, I cook enough so that me and my family eat it, and whatever's left over, I know I'll eat in the morning or eat the next day for That's lunch. That's a huge difference is you have so much respect for that meat and for that animal because all the effort it took, and you watch that thing live in the wild, you have a completely different perspective yeah. of that meat than you do if you just you know, order a hamburger at the restaurant. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that... Again, that's one of those, I mean, you and I have developed this perspective from years of, of hunting and, and being around people who hunt, and we understand it. For the average person that's never going to encounter that in their entire life, no. it's, we've developed this very weird society where we've insulated people from all of the ugly realities of eating meat. 
and of wearing leather. I mean, we're sitting on leather chairs. Didn't think about it once. This used to be a fucking cow. Yeah. Someone shot this cow and turned it into a nice chair. No one minds sitting on a cow that's dead, but yeah. no one wants to see that dead cow right. laying on the ground, the eyes open and the blood. Hanging from its ankles. Yeah. People, and I, I think it's important for people to see that. I mean, my kids have seen a lot of dead animals. It's not, it's not sad. It's a little sad, but it's not like they don't think of it as sad. They think of it as just like a part of life. You know, that's what we eat. Yeah. Dad brings a deer home in the cooler. Dad brings a pig home on the front of the quad with his bow, with a bloody arrow. It's totally normal. They see me drag it off the quad and shoot it down with the hose and quarter it and debone it. And, and they help me package it and grind the meat and it's totally normal to them. It should be so totally they, normal. But there's a connection between the death and what we're eating, right? which a lot of people just don't have. And I love that, that, that my kids already have that. It's a good thing, I think. Well, I, I think that we have a real problem in the society where so many people, somewhere in the neighborhood of 95 to 97% of the people eat meat, and the number of people that have actually seen an animal die is like, you know, two or three. Yeah. Like, what is the, what's the population of people that hunt in North America? Let's, let's guess. Guess the, the pro- population of the U.S. that hunts. I'm going to say it's 3%. That, that might be high even. Three out of 100? What do you think it is? It's probably less than three, for let's sure. See, let's see what it is. What population of the United States of America hunts? Jamie's raising his eyebrows. It might be a, <coughs> might a, hard be a technicality to... here, but it says there's 101.6 million Americans that, hunt? that participated 16 and older that, uh, yeah, fish and, fish and wildlife shows that 100, 101.6 There's a lot of people who hunt. Yeah, but that might be fishing. Yeah, participated in wildlife-related activities. Oh, wildlife-related. So, yeah. That's that includes like pig fucking. That includes wildlife watching. <laughs> it says. Yeah. Oh, wildlife watching. Yeah, and I've typed in population. Yeah, that's of definitely a lot different. US. That's what. Came that's up. a lot different. Um, does that's all that came up? There's got to be a population of actual it's, number of hunters. I mean, this is back in. I don't know. Where that's the other thing too. Is like there's a hierarchy. Like people don't have a problem with people fishing. You no, know, like, no, no problem. Or posting a, p- a photo with their fishing pole yeah. and their catch. Yeah, hey, you got some food. What's different between that? Six percent, maybe. That, that's a, that's the, what's the difference between that and a deer? But here's deers the, are warm. Here's the well, they're warm and they have fur. That's and there's been is. a movie made about them. Ah, uh, they talk. But what the, about Nemo? Disney. Fuck Nemo. Nobody cares about Nemo. Nobody Find cares Nemo. about Nemo, dude. No, <laughs> <laughs> Nemo gets no love. He doesn't get any love. I was it's thinking true. of this though, like you know, because I have kids. And my kids eat meat. Right. And I, and I feel like, imagine if you made a law that after the age of 16 years old in America, if you wanted to eat another hamburger, you had to kill two, two, two animals. You, like, you, like you go to a place, like a, whatever it is, like a, a, a ranch where they process meat, and there's a cow there, and there's a rifle there. And you go, okay, if you want to be a meat eater from now on, from their 16th birthday on, the only way to eat meat in the future is if you got to do it yourself at least twice. You can't just do it once. You got to kill a cow. Watch it get processed, and then you got you, you to wait like a month or whatever it is and go back and, and take another animal's life. Uh-huh. And then you earn the right to eat meat the rest of your life. Imagine how many people wouldn't be able to do that. They're happy to eat meat, but there's that disconnection with the actual death part. See, I, I would have a problem with forcing people to do it, just like I'd have a problem with forcing people no, let's to get force rid them. of— <laughs> I don't kidding. think people should be forced to get rid of their garbage. It's just a wild concept. That, it is an interesting concept, yeah. but I think there's services like like taking your garbage and bringing it to the garbage dump. I yeah. don't think you should have to go to the garbage dump, go to the landfill, <laughs> and drop yeah. your garbage off. 
I'm, I'm happy that there's someone that gets paid to pick up the yeah. bins and dump the garbage into the garbage truck and then drive it to the bin. That, I'm happy that that exists. I like that. Yeah. I like the fact that someone takes care of your sewage. I agree. I like the fact that I can buy a steak. For sure. All I'm saying is like, yeah. if you could earn the right to eat yeah. steak, you know, and you saying. would have to do it every time. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have to like kill a cow every time you wanted to eat more. It's like once you finish that cow, you need to kill another one. I'm just saying everyone should know what it's like to take right. an animal's life. No, I agree with you. To eat meat. I agree everyone should probably know what it's like. Because, because if you don't, it's hard to respect that animal enough. Like, like I was saying, like my, my, my kids don't, we don't waste deer meat. Like if it's on their plate, they eat it. If they right. don't eat it, I put it in there, eat it the next day or whatever it is. You know, there's, there's always a lesson to be, to be taught when you're eating wild game that you've, that you've hunted yourself, I think. Well, I think there's a problem whenever there's a disconnect, right? It's like, I think there's a problem with if money just comes for free. There's a problem if, yeah. if, if your meat just comes from a store. Yeah. There's, a, there's a weird disconnect between the, the actual thing that's living and then eating it. And the, the, most people, the vast majority of people, are completely disconnected from that. I mean, that's, all, that's the case with farming vegetables, too. Yeah. Most people, I don't think they have an appreciation for a vegetable being a life form that you're, you're consuming. That, you know, there's a growth process. It's a living thing. You pull it out of the ground. You cook it. You eat it. I mean, this, th that disconnect, I think, is real, too. Because there's a real good feeling that I get when I eat vegetables that have grown in my garden. Yeah. You know? I mean, I love it. I really, I really enjoy it. I get a kick out of it. And there's a lot of people who look down on us for hunting who are, say, like you're a vegan who just eats nothing but vegetables and fruit or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, they're looking at us like we're crazy for, for, you know, the impact we have on the animals, killing them, whatever. But, like, a lot of the vegetables that people eat nowadays are grown in places that used to be rainforest. Like the Amazon, just getting whacked down just to grow corn, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, I think a, it's, there's a lot of it is just cattle, right? Isn't the Amazon a lot of the deforestation? I think the the primary. Uh, I think a lot of it's for ethanol too, though. Is it for for corn? Yeah. yeah. There's, a, but I think hardwoods. They chopped a lot of it down for hardwoods, and they chopped a lot of it down to uh, in order to uh, provide grazing lands for cattle. I think in the future, all of the vegetables and stuff are going to be. I was talking to Kelly about this a lot. There's a lot of. Um, things that are happening now with technology that I think a lot of like the, the vegetables and stuff that we're going to be eating are going to be grown vertically mm -hmm. instead of like on these massive, you know, farms of like these huge, like, you know, hundred thousand acre ranches full of like vegetables. Right. It's all going to be grown like in smaller spaces, you know, super, super efficient growing in smaller spaces to feed more people with less space. I wonder if they could do That's that. It's going to be kind of crazy. That's going to be crazy. Yeah, that would be crazy. I mean, there'd probably be some real benefits to that, but I wonder if they could do that with grain. We're going to have to do something with our population keeping growing and more people and more demand for food and less space to grow it. You know, there's going to be an inflection point where someone else is going to have to do something. But I think technology is moving in that place where... And that's the thing. I, I've, I fully get, like, the people who hate on me on, say, social media or whatever, on my Instagram, if I post a photo of my... if I did post a photo of me getting an elk or whatever it was and all these people get uppity mm -hmm. but um because a lot of people can't go hunting they don't live in a place where they can go hunting and get their own meat they live in a city they live in new york city or shanghai or in buenos Aires or whatever and they it's so unrelatable to them you know no i understand that i appreciate that and you know i think that social media is very strange in that regard too because people are always looking for people 
or things to get pissed off at. Oh, yeah. They don't get mad if I post pictures of cooking elk, though. No, they don't. It's very, I mean, a few. There's a few, like, proselytizing very vegans. Few. You're going to get cancer, man. Yeah, yeah. They always want to. <laughs> they always do that. I don't often. think cancer comes from meat. Imagine if all meat gave you cancer. You know how fucking stupid that is? Everyone would have cancer. Like, literally 95% of the population would yeah. have cancer. It's just a. There's there's a few epidemiological studies that have fucked people's heads up because they've cor- corresponded, they've, they've related the idea of eating meat to poor health. But these people that have eaten meat, they don't just eat meat. They've eaten meat along with sugar and alcohol yeah. consumption right. and cigarettes. And it's a lifestyle. They don't, they don't factor those things in. They and just they're eating like a, like, a, like a 30 ounce prime rib. Yeah, like your body is impossible to, for your body to process that. <laughs> like, More what, likely, they're eating burgers with sugary yeah. buns and yeah. you know processed meat and bullshit. But when I eat meat, I normally eat meat that, that's like the size of my palm or smaller. You know, I eat wild game and it's that size. Right. I think it's easy for my body to process that. Eating like a prime rib that's like hanging off both sides of your plate, like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> that's difficult, I think, for your body to process that. I just that, that's not scientific. I just look at it and go, "There's no way I can." My body's going to deal with that. Where's it going to fit? It's going to stay in there for 30 years. You know, they always say that. Like, it's going to stay that's in there. That's not true, too. That's, <laughs> that's all nonsense, too. Wasn't Kelly talking about, like, yeah. poop in here? Like, like yeah. shooting his butt out and all this stuff. <laughs> stuff well, he was was talk- <laughs> yeah, he was talking poop about. talk. Yeah, he was talking about um, when you go on these extreme fasts mm-hmm. and then all this weird stuff that comes out of the inside of your gut. Yeah. It comes out. Yeah. I, I would try that just to look at that stuff. See what that stuff looks like. Yeah, I would try, it, but I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to look at it. I definitely would want like the like the you know like when you're having a baby and they put up like a curtain. Sometimes you don't have to see anything <laughs> like that. Like, okay, I'm just gonna put my legs up. Someone's <laughs> you got a visual of that? <laughs> yeah, got my legs up and something. Someone out there, you know, doing all that stuff. Do you grow me. your own vegetables? I don't. No, I travel like half the time. I'm right. gone from home like literally half the time, so it's really difficult to. Is it hard getting good like vegetables that. on the Big Island? Um. No, there's not. It's 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 actually really easy. There's really good farmers markets. Um, I'm lucky because my 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 mom and her boyfriend have a really neat like a hydroponic killer vegetable garden. Oh wow! So like we'll trade a lot of times. I'll I'll give them venison and I'll get really good veggies from them and stuff like oh, that. That's so it's great. good trade. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so there's 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 a lot of meals that we do where like no one has touched that meal except for my family. This is cool. I Roseanne like that. has a um, she's got a macadamia nut farm. On yeah. the Big Island, and uh, she raves about it up there, man. She loves it. I listened to part of her podcast with you. I haven't finished it yet, but she's amazing. She's funny. She's, you know what, man? They fucked up, man. They really did fuck up. They fucked up when they, they blew it, huh? That lady is not racist. She's definitely mentally ill, but she's open about it. She's yeah. not racist. And they, they just they just jumped on the opportunity to virtue signal and to cry out against yeah. racism and to take a stand. But they took a stand against a woman that has mental problems, who's on all sorts of medication, who they knew about it. I mean, she's been, she was put in a mental hospital for nine months yeah. when she was a kid, and she's hit by a car. I mean, she had a severe brain injury. Yeah. And ever since then, she's had multiple personality disorder. She's been on a host of different medications. And they knew about this. Everybody knew about this. Yeah. They should have known. It's basically like taking a person who's got a broken leg and getting mad that they limp. It's what they did. Yeah. I mean, they have a, a person who had brain problems, who who tweets a bunch of wacky shit. She's on Ambien and drinking and smoking pot. And even then, she wasn't being racist. She wasn't. She didn't know that lady was black. The lady didn't even look black. If you look at her, 
You look at a picture of her, she does not look black. Yeah. She, she just thought she was being funny, and she thought she was making a, a solid point that she was going to expand upon when she woke up in the morning. She literally said that. She's all fucked up on yeah. Ambien and pot and drinking. I listened to that. It was crazy. Yeah, that was fucked up that happened to her. <sighs> and it sucks that her show got canceled. Well, the new one sucks. The new one sucks, and okay, it's good. going down the toilet. So, hey, not, um, sort of the same subject. Did you see the that rad documentary about the white woman who ran the NAACP yes. and freaking act like a black lady? I know who she is, but I didn't. That was Rachel one of the Dolezal. best, yeah. best uh, freaking documentaries. Or as was incredible it? documentary, yeah, insane. She was out of her mind, dude. <laughs> they kept asking her if she was black, and she would just straight up like. At first, she said yes, and then she said like it's not that important, and then she was like tanning herself and like putting like all this brown. They makeup her on herself it? and getting like weaves and doing her nails like how she thought like black people would do their nails like it was super weird and then she ran the she ran the NAACP yeah it was just a wild documentary the chick was just in outer space it's was, hilarious that she ran the NAACP for That's like a while hilarious. dude yeah yeah she probably did a good job and she had a huge impact she was like amazing at her job supposedly like in the in the documentary it was saying that she got all this stuff done that, that they were trying to do for a long time and she was really really good at at doing her job it just sucked that she was actually a white lady who was like acting the whole time well what's really fucked is NAACP stands for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People you cannot right. call African Americans colored people that is a fucking slur <laughs> they have a slur in their title we're living in weird times man it's but crazy. you can say People of color, which is fucking bizarre. Yeah. You can't say colored people, but you can say people of color. It's the same words just twisted around. Dude, I had a... Um, it's messed up. It's like, it's you can just be like labeled a racist or a sexist or whatever for like, like saying like the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Um, I had a 23andMe DNA test done. Mm -hmm. and, How cool uh, are those? They're pretty good. Yeah. And I was hoping... If I was if I was more than ten percent black, I was going to start dropping n bombs. <laughs> but uh, one point six, so one point six. I'm one point six percent African, pretty strong. It's all dick. And uh, <laughs> I found, <laughs> when when they did that thing about Elizabeth Warren, oh, I did find out what percentage she is. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, who claimed to be Native American, mm -hmm. and she did a, a test. She's like one 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 hundredth. Of what I am, like it's literally like her saying serious? she's yeah, her saying she's an, a Native American is literally like me saying I'm African American. <laughs> but I have Love more that. of a claim. I, I have m far more, like more than I think some some insane number, t like a factor of more African in me than she has Native American. And I'm not even remotely Native American, or remotely African, rather. Yeah. I'm 1.6%. I have 1.6% African in me. And she has, like, some fucking really stupid number. What is the number? Yeah, the, the, it's like point zero 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 one. The world's gone wild these days, dude. I don't even know how to make sense of all that stuff. She had the, what, was, what happened was a Harvard like uh, researcher looked into it right. and gave a number that was very vague that would be like one and... 512th to 1 and 1024th. Something like that. <laughs> that sucks, dude. It's so crazy. It sucks. It Meanwhile, sucks that that's the thing. Like, we're got, all something. Like, who gives a shit? But she got into Harvard because of this, where she claimed she was Native American. 
mean, she got in That's by claiming crazy. that she was a minority. Mm-hmm. It was Harvard, right? Correct? Uh, I'm being honest about that? Or was it Cambridge? Whatever the university she some, got in. Some, some Ivy she got into the university by claiming that she was Native American, so she got a special scholarship because of that. Oh, man. It's literally like me going to Morehouse and saying I'm African American, except I have a far better claim. You have a much higher percentage. Much higher. <laughs> That's so crazy. That's wild. Meanwhile, she's so nuts, like, because Trump was always calling her Pocahontas. And Trump said that if she <laughs> – how, how is it that you can't – if you said the wrong thing on your podcast, people will be up in arms. But for some reason, the president can say whatever the hell he wants to say. Well, he's Most making fun of her pretending ever. to be a Native American. Yeah. He was joking about her. She's not really Native American. Yeah. And he called her Pocahontas, and he said if she took a DNA test and showed that she was Native American, he would donate a million dollars to a, ca- a charity of her choice. So she, after this fucking – test that basically mm. showed she has the smallest measurable possibility yeah. of Native American in her was requiring him to pay a oh million dollars. <laughs> like, Did he laugh? No, you should pay Harvard for what you Some fucking money back. built from yeah. them. What, where at school did she go to? I'm trying to find the actual thing. It seems, I think she actually got a job at Harvard, not um, didn't go there for Education. Oh, she got a job there because of. Okay. Trying to find out. Okay, he'll figure it out. But that's hilarious. But I, the the idea that that is something you can lean on is so goddamn crazy. Listen, you're a white lady. I'm a white guy. Shut the fuck up. Okay, you're not. There's no. There's not a part of you that has been discriminated against because yeah. of the fact that you're Native American. It just doesn't exist. It's not true. It's that's just, so fascinating to me. Oh, people love to be a victim. They love to say, yeah. you know, uh, it was my life growing up was hard because I'm one 150,000th Native American. That's crazy, <laughs> dude. It's crazy. And where does it stop? Like, is it, is it, is it, you know, like, is it cool to say that if you're 2% or 10% or 50%? Like, where is it? Where is it? That's what I'm saying. At 1.6%, I really don't feel like I could drop N-bombs. Right. Yeah, no, it's not cool, 10, It's not cool. 10%. Like, I'm mostly Italian. I'm, like, three-quarters Italian, so I can call someone a guinea. Guinea. No problem. Yeah. But Italians don't give a fuck if you call them guineas. Yeah. They're like, okay. Like, there's no really, there's no good slurs for Italians that work, you know? They've successfully integrated into society. But when my grandfather used to tell me about, he came over here when he was a boy from Italy, and he would tell me about how bad it was, about how much they were discriminated against. Yeah. You know, it was, it was it was hardcore. I mean, they were treated a lot of the same way racist people treat Mexicans today. And they, Irish, same yep, thing. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's my background is Italian and Irish mostly. Yeah. But someone got fucked by a black person somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. 1.6%. I don't know how many generations. They're, they're, I guess the claim is that she used her claim that she's Native American to get a job. Yes. Not, not to get into school. Not to school, go in school? Oh, okay. To get a job. At Harvard. At One at Harvard, one at... Pennsylvania. So she did it twice. Give that money back, bitch. Dude, I love the DNA <laughs> test, though. <laughs> I love the DNA test. Yeah. Because it just proves that we're all, like, something. Yeah. We're all a bunch of shit. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm, like, 30 things of whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, it does, does it matter? Not really. It shouldn't matter. Well, yeah. really, we're all African. All of us. Because yeah. that was the original human being. It depends who you ask, though. Yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, we came from Africa. The human beings evolved from Africa, if you believe in evolution. If you believe in evolution. Yes. 
That's, that's where it gets that's a big if. That's where it gets. Listen, yeah. man, if we stop this podcast right now, we could shoot Techno Hunt for another half hour. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Shane Dorian. Follow him at Shane Dorian 808 on Twitter and Shane Dorian. Is that you? No. Uh, really? I don't think so. It might be fake. No, I'm really just fake. on Instagram. Oh, man, Shane Dorian. I, got, I tagged Instagram. a fake Shane Dorian earlier. No, I'm not on Twitter. This son of a bitch. You got me, whoever you are. <laughs> don't follow that piece of shit. <laughs> follow the real one. Shane Dorian on uh, Instagram and your HBO documentary. Momentum Generation. When is it out? It's on HBO on December 11th. Okay. Well, we will tweet it when it comes out again. Sweet. Thanks, brother. We'll Thanks shoot, for having shoot me. Shoot some Texo Hunt. Let's do it. We'll see you in a little bit with the Sober October recap. <laughs> <laughs>